Instead of syncing your phone with iTunes, downloading an MP3 into your mobile device, you can stream episodes of MTR with the Stitcher Smart Radio app. Stitcher allows you to listen to My Take Radio via your 4G, 3G, or Wi-Fi connections. Downloading it is quick and easy. Head over to stitcher.com forward slash my take, and you'll even be eligible to win some money. Enter my take, all one word, in the promo box, and you'll be eligible to win $100, courtesy of My Take Radio and Stitcher. MTR Live starts right now. This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's going on, guys? My Take Radio episode 183 for Thursday, May 9th, 2013. I'm your host, Rich. Our call in number is 347 324 3541. Again, that call in number is 347 324 3541. You can also hit up our feedback line. That's 347 815 0687. That's 347 815 0MTR. All right, a couple of things I just want to try and get into the habit of doing at the start of the broadcast. For those of you that are listening live, you can listen to the show in the Blog Talk Radio format, which is, you know, blogtalkradio.com forward slash my take radio. You can also listen to us live via the Mixler format. It's mixlr.com forward slash my take radio. You'll get a uh, 92K feed in there. It's obviously substantially better audio quality. We are working on a solution to not split you guys up into a blog talk radio chat and a Mixler chat. Obviously, it makes things difficult to moderate because I have to switch between two chat rooms, but hopefully next week we are going to have a unified chat solution, which we will put in the mytakeradio.com listen area. That way you can play whatever player you want and you can chat right on the site. This way it allows people to look at stuff on the site and it allows us to control the whole chat functionality substantially better because it really is kind of a pain in the ass to monitor both sides of the chat room because the Mixler chat, since the audio is so much better, a lot more people are going in there. And on the Blog Talk Radio side, people like the chat because they can interact with myself and Slick, but I interact with both. So either way, use whatever format works for you. Um, Another quick reminder, if you want to listen to the show via your phone, you can dial in the call-in number 347-324-3541. Just do not hit option one, and you can listen on your phone as well. If you are using any iOS devices, we actually have a new HTML5 player on mytakeradio.com, so you can actually click on the listen tab in there, 
click on the HTML5 player for Blog Talk Radio, and you can listen to the show that way. I got to get into the habit of letting you guys know this at the start of the show because a lot of people were messaging me over the last couple of days because they were kind of confused as to which was the best option. So hopefully we'll have the whole chat thing worked out by next week and we can take it from there. Um, A couple of things I did want to get into. If you've been by the site, you'll notice that we've made a couple of different enhancements, especially on the comment front. We were using Facebook comments initially, but the problem with Facebook comments is that it's not just one function when you use the Facebook comments. There's a whole bunch of stuff on the back end, which actually slowed the site tremendously. A couple of different people were telling me about different loading problems that they were experiencing. So we have actually switched to discuss, which works really well. It allows everybody to log in either via Facebook, Twitter, or via discuss if they've used it. And of course, you can always use a guest comment as well. So that was one of the changes we did on the back end. Also, we're starting to do more Uh, Twitch TV streaming. So if you want to check out some of the game streams we have going on, you can follow us on Twitch. It's twitch.tv slash mytakeradio underscore TV. For those of you that don't know what the underscore is, it is the line. So there you go. Mytakeradio underscore TV on Twitch. And we're going to be putting a Twitch TV player on the site as well. For those of you that want to check out some of the games that we are playing on our feeds. Last but not least, of course, look for MTR on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash TV. Okay, so with all the prerequisites out of the way, there's a couple of things I did want to discuss. Some of you that are getting the show via Stitcher are letting, you know, are, have informed me that there's been a delay with the show getting on Stitcher versus when it gets on iTunes. It's going to be, it's something that I've emailed to Stitcher already to discuss. And once I get an answer back, I'll let you guys know either on the site or via Facebook or Twitter. So figured I'd get that out of the way. For those of you checking in on Get Glue, as always, we appreciate it. And last but not least, we're putting up a lot of new content on the site. We started putting up some of the blast from the past uh, Twitch TV streams that we're putting up, which is usually a lot of retro games. I'm kind of getting used to doing commentary for the game, so don't expect long, lengthy diatribes that you guys get Every Thursday, just something brief, a little commentary, some background on the game, and then some gameplay. I really like showcasing the old stuff because I have a pretty big library of old titles. For some reason, though, our Elgato Game Capture HD is just not playing nice with the older systems. I wanted to do some Dreamcast streams last night, and the shit just was not working. But I will be getting to the bottom of it. Maybe I'll need a um, component and composite converter to HDMI, and we can get that squared away so i'll keep you guys up you know updated with that in the coming days and hopefully we'll be able to get some of those retro consoles online okay so before we get into this week's topics we i gotta talk about a couple of things obviously this weekend is uh mother's day so i'm i'll be 100 percent honest mother's day makes me incredibly crabby obviously because you know my mom isn't around but it's weird because on the same instance, you know, my grandmother's around and she's cool. Don't get me wrong. She's a cool, she's a cool old person to have around, but it's obviously not the same. As a matter of fact, her birthday is uh, May 10th, which is in an hour. So I got to remember to <laughs> kind of give her a birthday shout out. But it, the, the problem with Mother's Day to me is that, you know, it's, it's obviously Hallmark holiday over commercialized and, you know, it's cool. You see everybody kind of acknowledging all the moms out there and stuff. And I, you know, I have a lot of 
different females in my life, uh, close acquaintances who, who are mothers, and they're cool people, but I don't need to shout out their accomplishments uh, once a year. It's something I, I acknowledge throughout the year, especially if they're close friends of mine. But it's just really funky to me because, um, you know, we're going to go into real territory a little bit. You know, I think I've mentioned once or twice on air that I was adopted. And um, my biological mother, she she gave me away a couple of times. And a couple of times I was brought back, you know, like a uh, defective Xbox. And, um, you know, my mom who raised me, she did the right thing, brought me upright, uh, put boots to asses to make sure I got a good education and was an asset to society and not some two-bit piece of shit. Anyway, um, over the last two years or so, I've reconnected with uh, my biological siblings, um, some of which are, you know, they're, they're, they're pretty cool, some who I haven't met yet, and some that were given away, much like me, who, for some reason, I think it's the kinship of being given away have made us uh, substantially closer. So it's it's weird because it's like I, you look at Mother's Day and um, you, at least for me, it's like, you know, especially people that know me, they say, you know, you got your biological mom. And I'm like, listen, she she's the equivalent of the Holy Ghost. As far as I'm concerned, I was created in a lab and I was an experiment that was given to people to raise and take care of. As far as I'm concerned, you know, my mom is deceased, but it, it's weird because, you know, some of my siblings have close relations with my um, my biological mom and uh, she sucks. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's very awkward for me when when I have conversations with them because they'll be like, yeah, you know, they, they'll say, you know, I went to visit my mom because they know not to say they know not to call her, you know, you're, you know my mom as well they don't, they don't do that they they refer to her as their mother and that's cool by me but it's always weird because they'll be like hey you know she's 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 cool she's not doing so good whatever and i you know i'm gonna air my grievances because you guys you guys pretty much have kept the breast of my life story for almost 200 episodes so you know it's it's like they tell me oh you know she's not feeling well or whatever or she fell or any any anything that involves her having some sort of misfortune and I'll be honest I get a completely huge devilish grin on my face call me a scumbag call me the antichrist whatever but I'm sorry it's just it's just not cool I just it, it's weird and and I've questioned myself multiple times like like you know is am, am I wrong am I am I missing a a vital piece of my soul but then I remember like you know you got given away a couple of times and you know, she may or may not have held me out a window and contemplated dropping me out. It so you you know things like that they kind of skewer your perception on things, and it it it's made me question myself as um you know it, it's weird for me that I've questioned this stuff multiple times, especially now closer to Mother's Day, because you know I ask myself am am I am I inhuman? Am I uh, a terrible person? And then I come to the incredible realization that, nope, I'm not a terrible human being. On the contrary, I, I was wronged, uh, you know, basically cast aside for whatever reason. And the beauty of it is that there's not an ounce of remorse. None. I mean, you know, the, no one's ever said, hey, man, you know, she kind of wants to reach out to you and say she's sorry. And for me, I'm actually grateful because you gave me away. My mom, even though, you know, she she gave up. 
She sacrificed everything to give me the entire universe. Um, you know, I don't have her around to to appreciate every day, but but this this human being who who dropped me out of her, she pretty much dropped me out of her womb the same way the alien queen drops an egg. <laughs> you know, the same way the queen drops an egg, that's pretty much what happened. I, you know, you were a tube that kind of spit me out. So it, it's like I don't. It's 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 weird, you know. I I guess um I guess I kind of just wanted to vent the fact that her her misery makes me happy. <laughs> that that's really it. There, I've said it to to the thousands of people that listen to everyone that's gonna download this show. I take great enjoyment in hearing about my biological mother's misery. There you go. Call me a bad guy, call me a bastard, call me the Antichrist, call me inhuman, but you know what? Call me everything else except her son. <laughs> That's it. So I figured I'd get that off my chest and I've been I've been on the on the ropes about sharing that on air just because it's it's a it's a big part of my life, but you know what? It, it it's it's therapeutic. So there you have it. Now 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 you kind of know my twisted origin. So I was uh, sent from a parallel dimension to save this world from itself. That is that is my origin. I kid, I kid. <laughs> anyway, so on some lighter notes, we got lots to discuss. Uh, ben was supposed to join me last week to discuss some MMA, but he's stopping by this week to. We're going to talk some MMA news. We got some wrestling. Um, course video games we got some entertainment news and i kind of want to get into iron man 3 because i reviewed it a lot of people were 50 50 with my review some people said i was too critical some people agreed others were let down for a multitude of other reasons but we're going to get into that in the entertainment segment uh for those of you that are listening that are kind of shocked that i shared that aspect of my life especially for those of you that have known me for so many years uh, sorry, <laughs> I apologize. Um, definitely to, to my boy Val, who's listening on the Mixler side of things, you know, that's, that's not something I just walked around and said, Hey, guess what? You know, I got given away like a defective Xbox, then got returned a couple of times. And then I ended up here and, uh, yeah, we're still, we're still cool. You know, it was just, it was just awkward, but years have kind of softened that particular aspect of things. And I figured I'd share it with you guys. So there you have it. Anyway. Let's get the ball rolling because we got lots of MMA to discuss, and I'm sure Ben has a couple of things he's going to want to share with us as well. So with that, let's get right to it. So... We're going to start things off with a bit of an injury bug report that's going on. Next weekend, we have the UFC on FX8, which is going to be a tremendous card. Uh, Vitor Belfort and Luke Rockhold are meeting in the main event. Ronaldo Jacare Souza was supposed to be taking on Costa Filippo. Turns out that is not the case since Costa Filippo is injured. Uh, he will be replaced by Chris Camozzi. So Chris Camozzi will be meeting Jacare at this event. Also on the card, Rafael Dos Anjos taking on Evan Dunham. And um, I got to actually talk to Ben. Oh, no. Uh, I actually got that. Sapo is going to be taking on Zhao Zeferino. So I want to get into that. Ben just told me he's in the queue. So let me bring him in. What's up, man? 
Welcome back, dude. Of course, uh, you took a, a rest last week because you went to see Iron Man. And um, lots of stuff happened in MMA last week. Of course, John Jones' murder death killed Chael Sonnen, which, you know, you you were right. I'll give you that. <laughs> but um, a lot of people tuned in and a lot of people got paid. So definitely want to get into that. But, of course, we got this UFC on FX8 event uh, next Saturday. And... Um, Jacare taking on Chris Camozzi. What do you think? You think that the abrupt switch is going to affect the outcome of this fight, or you think it's going to be, you know, the crocodile getting other, another submission? Yeah, he's probably going to either tap Camozzi or knock him out. I don't see this uh, fight being super competitive. Um, I think I thought the Costa Philippou fight would have been far more competitive. Chris Camozzi is an okay fighter, but he's nowhere near on the level of Philippou or Jacare. No, definitely. Jacare is a whole other animal, and I think he's definitely been dealing with some, um, you know, just with some, I guess, octagon adjustment. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, he, he, he should be in the UFC. He's, he's a very good fighter. I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see how, you know, him and Rocco do on this card. Uh, seeing that they were like one and two middleweight and, um, and strike for it. So I'm interested to see how both of them do on the Yeah, this Rockhold fight has me very, very intrigued. Not to say that Rockhold fought Cans and Strike Force, but I think I think this is a huge test for him because you know Vitor Belfort is a guy. He's a, he's a staple in this organization, and he's always hit and miss. You know, to to use Joe Rogan's cliched quote, it's a matter of of which um, Vitor Belfort shows up. So. You know, you're either going to get knockout artist Vitor Belfort or, you know, guy who's just waiting to get knocked out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it becomes very obvious in Vitor Belfort, right, that he'll quit or he'll... He'll gas out. quit is not the right word, word but kind of accept he's going to lose his yep. team sometimes. And, uh, I mean, if he does that against Rocco, he's going to be really hurt, similar to what happened to him with John Jones. Well, I think in Rockhold's case, too, if he gets past Vitor, I honestly think you'd probably have to give him one more fight if he doesn't come out too damaged. And, and he's got to fight Anderson at that point. Like, don't get me wrong. Obviously, Anderson and Chris Weidman are that's that's up in the air. Uh, obviously, the, the, the betting man is going to favor Anderson, but you never know. You know, anything can change at the drop of a hat. But I think that Rockhold should get one more fight after Vitor and, and fight for that belt. He was the last Strike Force champion, and that has to be that has to count for something in terms of rankings. Yeah, um, I, I feel like it, it depends on who wins the Anderson uh, Chris Wyman fight. If Chris Wyman wins, I think a Luke Rock, Rocco Chris Wyman fight would be you know a really good fight to be Chris Wyman's first title defense. And if uh, Anderson wins, you give Luke Rocco. Um, trying to think of any other middleweight that would be on the winning streak. Maybe Michael Bisping or somebody like that. Yeah, Rockhold and, uh, and Bisping would be good. Or or not for nothing. Yeah. I'd do Rockhold against Weidman. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, you could do Rockhold against Weidman, something like that. And, and, um, and, then, and then give him a title shot. Yep, makes sense to me. The other card that got finalized was UFC on Fox 8, which is going to be tremendous. Robbie Lawler, Tarek Safadine, uh, Misha Tate back in the cage against Liz Carmouche, Ellenberger, Roy McDonald, 
and we're going to get a nice flyweight title fight, which you know is pretty much going to be Rock'em Sock'em Robots. Also, Mac Danzig, Melvin Gallard is going to be a, a, a clinic any way you slice it. That's, gonna, that's just going to be a, a striker's delight. And also the ladies are going to be taking center stage on in that side of the card because uh, Jermaine Durandamy is taking on Julie Kedzie, who is always fun to watch. Plus, Matt Mitrione is coming off that um, Fallon Fox suspension to fight Brendan Schaub. I think Schaub's job is on the line for this one. I think both of their jobs are on the line, to be perfectly honest. Um, uh, it, it, that sounds like a really good card. These Fox cards are really good. Um, they do a good job of um, highlighting the smaller weight classes. Um, in the main event, and I'm I'm really looking forward to watching the Demetrius Johnson fight. I know some people don't like him because he doesn't really have knockout power, but he's fun to watch. Oh, dude, he's he's tremendous. He is a tremendously gifted athlete. He goes out there and it and it's just full tank all the way through. And the best part is he he doesn't get winded, he doesn't get tired, so the fight remains exciting. Yeah, I mean he he he. I mean he's 125 pounds. There's very there's only one 125 pounder I know that really has knockout power. And that's John Dodson. That's right. Uh, the rest of them are really knocking each other out, and um, they're fun to watch. I mean, I know a lot of people are like, "Oh, what well, they, you know, they're not knocking each other out." But I mean, if you're into the technique part of MMA, they're great at that. Oh, they are. They're absolutely tremendous. I will say this though: Tarek Safadine falls into that Luke Rockhold category, where it's like if he gets past Robbie Lawler, I'd probably give him a fight with um, Carlos Condit or Nick Diaz. And then oh, a shot at the belt. Okay. What do you think? I would actually think if he wins and Roy um, Roy McDonald wins, you put them against each other in the title eliminator. Because I really don't think George St. Pierre has a chance doing another fight after uh, Johnny Hendricks at 170. You put them in a the title eliminator, and then, well, it depends on, I mean, if Johnny Hendricks beats George St. Pierre, um, you 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 know you can actually just move Terry Stephanie into the title shot, but if he loses, you can just do um, uh, a title eliminated between Roy Mac- McDonald and uh, and Terry Stephanie. They both fight on the same card, and you know I, I, that will be his his next fight up. I think will be good. You think um, after this fight with Johnny Hendricks, GSP is done at one seventy? Yeah, I think GSP is only going to fight one or two more times. Um, I, I think he. He's at the point that he's – once you start talking about retirement as much as he has, you're already halfway there. And I think he just, he's going to do the Johnny Hendricks fight. And if Anderson Silva beats Chris Wyman, he's going to probably do that fight, and then he's going to be done. Yeah, I think, the, I think the super fight is definitely there. I mean, he's kind of dismissed the Anderson Silva super fight. Why, I don't know. I mean, it's a 15-pound difference either way. So it's either – and of course, some people are like, "Oh, well, what if he, what if he drops to to fifty five? It's like not happening. GSP's uh, GSP's big, GSP's big at one seventy. He's gonna have to cut off his leg and possibly a nut to fight at fifty five. <laughs> if anything, you know, may maybe if you want to get crazy, let Bendo defend it twice and let Bendo do the super fight with GSP. That would be, I'd I'd want to see that because that would just be crazy. But seriously, at this point. It, it, he's got to do the Anderson fight if Anderson doesn't, you know, if Anderson retains. I mean, Anderson, at this point, he's he's pretty much told Dana White, like, yo, after the, after this shit, 
I want super fights. Because, you know, he just wants all that bread, and then he's just going to retire too. Yeah, I mean, Anderson's almost 38 years old. Like, yep. I'm surprised he hasn't already. But um, I don't know. I, I, I think I think GSP is just going to probably I, – I can see him beating Johnny Hendricks. Um, I can also see him moving. But, I, I'm, I mean, it's, GSP hasn't lost in a long time. It's hard to visualize him actually, like, slipping up in a fight. So I see him beating Johnny Hendricks, taking more time off, and then they're doing a big, you know, Anderson versus GSP fight. Win, lose, or draw, he's going to retire after that. I don't think – I don't think he's doing much. Well, between you and I, I think that this whole Captain America thing, if GSP gets the acting bug, you know he's going to want to retire. <laughs> it's not even just that, because I, I don't even think he needs that. Like, I, I no, think he GSP doesn't, but... He's rich enough. Yeah, he, he's going to do something to further MMA in some way, but I don't think he wants to do it as, no. as a sport. Nope, I don't think so, unless he did some crazy shit, like, you know, try out for the for the... US, uh, U.S. Olympic wrestling team before, you know, they get rid of the Olympics. I mean, before they remove wrestling from the Olympics or something. Yeah, I don't know. He's a great wrestler for MMA. He, he might get he might get murked in the Olympics. Olympics. He might get killed. <laughs> yeah, whole different thing. Well, one guy we haven't talked about in a while is making his return. That's Tiago Alves. He's taking on Matt Brown. I forgot so much. I haven't even thought about Thiago Alves that I when we were talking about, oh, who else can Matt Brown fight? He didn't even come into play. That's how long he's been out of out of the picture. Yeah, I, I, don't, I didn't even remember. I not even thought about Thiago Alves in a long time. Dude, he fought, um, he fought in March 2012, and he lost to Martin Campman. That really was his last fight. I guess he's been injured yep. this whole time or whatever. But uh, it should be a good fight. Tiago uh, Alves is a really good striker. Uh, Matt Brown is a savage. It should be a really good fight. Yeah, Tiago um, Alves' Muay Thai is, is, is fun to watch, but Matt Brown is a, Matt Brown is all about fight night bonuses. <laughs> yeah. To be perfectly honest, if this was two, well, maybe three or four years ago, I would pick Tiago Alves like, all day back when he was like knocking everybody out. Yep. But I don't know. I mean, he's been on a year layoff and everything, so I don't know. Uh, but I, I think... I think it should be a really good fight, though. You know, I'm concerned about, you know, Dan Hardy speaking of that because he's another guy. You know, he's got that, that wolf heart condition, and he's kind of like, yeah, I'm just chilling right now, blah, blah, blah. It's like, dude, you know, you got to get that taken care of if you plan on fighting. Nobody's going to sanction you to fight. Yeah. Uh, you think he's done, right? I kind of have a nagging suspicion yeah. that a doctor's going to be like, dude, you can't do this shit. You can't. Yeah, and the way Dana White talked about it, like he's probably done, and they're probably going to give him some type of job with the UFC. Because I mean, as much as Dan, Matt Hardy is, I mean, Matt Hardy is <laughs> <laughs> kind of a uh, subpar, well, I won't say subpar, but a pretty average fighter. I think that they're going to they're going to give him some type of job in the UFC because he's done he's done whatever they ask, and hell, they kept him after he lost like what five straight fights or something like that. So. I think he's good for the UK expansion. Like, that's the kind of guy you want to have out there promoting that product. You know, he speaks the language. Not to say that Bisping can't do it, because he can, but Bisping is just, people just don't fucking like him. So it's like, it's like Bisping can't, Bisping can't even sell a pair of shoes to anybody without somebody going, you suck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's probably the best thing for him. Like, you know, they, they'll, they'll help, um, use them for kind of some UK expansion, something over there. 
and that will probably be the extent of his fighting career. I just with that kind of syndrome, unless you get it worked on, and I'm not, I, I'm not a doctor, so I don't know. But um, if you, I mean, if he doesn't get it worked on, or if it can't be worked on, he needs to probably just, probably just hang it up. It's not worth it <laughs> at that yeah. point. It's not worth fucking dying. <laughs> it's not. Yeah, it's, it's not worth it at that point. Especially if the USC is probably willing to give you some sort of job. There you go. So, I've um, over the last couple of weeks, I've gotten into the Tommy Toehold show. <laughs> and um yeah like like i watched one or two like his best of dana white hooked me i was like all right i'm done so i went back and i watched like all 120 episodes over the period of a week and he put out a new episode yesterday and i like the the terminology he used so i'm gonna borrow it you know triple com. shout out to those guys um anderson silva nick diaz himself <laughs> by not showing up at the media event. They, he ended up getting beat over the head 50 grand for not showing up. Yeah. What do you think? That. I mean, he claims he claims he didn't know about it. Of course um, he's going to claim he that. His son doing something. I mean, he, he posted a video of him with his, like that day with his son doing something, doing more time. So I, I don't know. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't see why he would just skip it because, I mean, he's not being Diaz like he ain't out here just skipping media obligations for no reason. So maybe he didn't know. Well, Anderson Silva really does hate talking to the press. It'll be like, Anderson, how do you feel about your match with Chris Weidman and, and uh, you know, Tommy Toho? It's like, <laughs> happy to be here. And I'm like... <laughs> And I was done because I'm like, damn, that's that's pretty much it. Like he he doesn't use the vandal, you know. I'm so happy to be here, fighting for you guys. He don't do that shit. It's always like, and I'm just like, he probably was like, yo, I'm not going over. I hate talking to the press to fight Chris Weidman. Fuck you, I'm going home. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, he might have known about it. That ticket cost him fifty G's though. That airline ticket cost him yeah. fifty thousand. Yeah, I don't. I don't fifty thousand. I mean, to Anderson probably is right not that big a deal. So I mean, I don't know. I I, I find it, it it would surprise me if he just decided like, yeah, I'm not going to this. Like it would just kind of surprise me because he's never done that before. But you know what though? This is also a guy that when he fought Damian Maya, he pretty much clowned that dude. Like he's like, oh, I'm really fighting you, dude. Like this is it. So yeah, that, he also like, called him a bunch of like. Yeah, slurs. yeah. He called him. He called him a bunch of. He called him a bunch of slurs. But what I'm saying is, it's like, again, Anderson Silva is at the stage in his career where it's all about payday fights. Like he has to fight Weidman because it's like on paper Weidman has to fight you. You know what I mean? Like there's nobody else. Yeah. Like you know, secretly Anderson Silva gets up, and he'll just be like, "I wish I could fight Chael Sonnen again," because you know that's when he's <laughs> swimming in that money because. Anderson Silva, regardless win, lose, or draw, he's a businessman. Same thing with John Jones, same thing with GSP. These guys are brands in themselves, and they want the fights that are going to line their pockets the best. Don't get me wrong, the fight with Weidman on paper needs to happen. But will anybody legit give a fuck about it? No, because everybody's like, eh, I'll tune in to watch Anderson kill Chris Weidman dead. 
You know, like had this been on a Fox card, the the fight, the, the if, had this been a Fox fight, you know, it would have pulled like you know millions of viewers instantly. Yeah, I mean, I, I understand what you're saying completely. Like he is a businessman at this point; he has to fight Chris Wyman. There's yep. no other way around it. Nope. <laughs> um. So I mean, I I have uh, like like you said, like I I really think that after this fight, Anderson's already like, yo, I'm doing super fights, like. Either I'm fighting John Jones yep. or George St. Pierre, and that's it. Well, you never like, know. He may win that fight and do the call-out. He may do the call-out after the fight. He'll just be like, George St. Pierre, John Jones, I fight you. And then everybody will go fucking crazy, and then Dana White will be like, how much you want? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that would, that would not, that actually would not surprise me if he did something like that, just because, I mean, at that point, He's gotten to the point where he's going to need to do that. I mean, he's about 40 years old. He's going to need to do something. Yep. I, I, I guarantee you, you know, that he'll be like, if he goes, you want to fight Jones? And he goes, yeah. And John Jones is like, all right, how far along is your toe? He'll be like, that's six weeks. He go, Dana White will be like, Gustafson or Anderson? You know, John Jones is going to be like, dude, I'm taking this Anderson fight. Because you know. Definitely, plus. Money. I mean, that's <laughs> money and honestly, kind of a pretty good stylistic matchup for yep. John Jones. <laughs> well, so. here's here's one thing too you got to look at, and it's something that that I was you know I've considered as well. Think about this: just the fact that from a monetary standpoint, and not only that, obviously from a monetary standpoint, they're going to get paid. But just imagine waking up every day. And being either one of these three guys, GSP, John Jones, or Anderson Silva, and just being told, like, yo, you're the best in the world, but only under this guy. Like, it really has to get under your skin. Like, if I were Anderson Silva, I'd be tight, because it's like, yeah, you're you're the man, but you're not John Jones. It's like, ah, oh, get out of here with that shit. <laughs> like, I think for validation, like what you were saying, you know, he's 38 years old, it's like, He's he's probably like yo. I don't want to retire being second banana to this kid, or to or to GSP who's a kid. Either way, like yo, I don't want to be a second banana to either one of these two guys. I want to whoop their ass and retire with a boatload of money. Yeah, I mean, I can completely understand that. Like, I I just, I just think that he'll probably end up fighting one of the easier of the two fights is George Saint Pierre. Perfectly honest, because I don't. Yeah, he might he might murk GSP because you know GSP yeah, yeah. is is a tremendous fighter, but he did get caught by Matt Sarah. Let's not forget that. Just saying. Yeah, and, <laughs> and the way John Jones fights comparatively, like if he fought an intelligent fight, he would probably just take Anderson down and possibly tap him. So you know the only I mean the, the super fight I really want to see is Cain Velasquez versus John Jones, just because I think that would be the most competitive out of all of them. I think that fight would be tremendous to see because there's there's incredible wrestling pedigree, but there's also tremendous striking on display. Yeah. I, I, it's, it's that and like I, 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 the only person I really in, in any way class that I can honestly say that I'd probably favor in a fight with John Jones is Cain Velasquez. Like I, I think Cain Velasquez could possibly be John Jones. Like it would that that is the type of fight I want to see because, like, I mean, I'm a John Jones fan, but it'd be interesting to see him against somebody that can really test him. 
because I don't think anybody really else can really test him. I'll tell you what. If John Jones says, yo, I want to start fighting a heavyweight, first fight I'd give him is Stefan Struve. Just to welcome him to just to welcome him to heavyweight, you know? Man, Stefan Struve has got enough brain damage. <laughs> yeah, but you but you gotta you gotta give him a entry fight at heavyweight, just like Anderson did the Forrest Griffin fight, you know? Hell, give him Matt Mitrione. He wants to fight him. Yeah, but Matt Mitrione fighting John Jones has about as much appeal as two snails fucking. Translation nobody wants to see that. So, you know, like be really violent in one side. So. Yeah, like like <laughs> Stefan Struve, you can have a little fun cuz of the freak show factor, you know? I mean, don't get me wrong, if you want to get stupid and swim in money like Scrooge McDuck, you could do John Jones and Nareem. You know? That would be a problem. That would, that would be an interesting fight too. That would be a problem, dude. If if it's like, "All right, so who do you want as your first heavyweight?" and it's just like, "Oh, we're going to give you Alistair first. What? <laughs> I'd be like, yo, can I order the pay-per-view in advance? <laughs> yeah, that would, that would be a, an interesting fight, too. Because um, you can't just throw them yeah. in the pool, man. You can't. All these guys, you know, they come in, they test the waters with a guy. Like I said, Anderson did it with Forrest. Jones got to go in there and test at least one guy. He can't just be like, yo, I'm going to come in, I'm going to fight for the belt. Like, you got to fight one dude and see how you adapt at heavyweight and have a guy with, you know, with cinder blocks for hands cracking you over the dome. Yeah, I mean, I'd be, I'd, I'd be interested to see that. I'd be interested to see who would be the first person they give him. Because um, I'd imagine it wouldn't be too difficult. I, I think they would just be wanting him to, you know, see how his body adjusts. Yep. See, like, the extra weight, how he moves and everything in an actual fight. So I'd, I'd be interested to see it. I gotta say this though, don't be assholes and give him Pat Barry first, you know? Like don't like don't do that. Like like keep it within the realms of alright, that, that that fight looks awesome on paper. I love Pat Barry, he's one of my favorite fighters, but it's just like that would just look stupid on TV. I don't think they would do something like that. I yeah. think it would be somebody like like the bottom rung of the top ten, like they would give him like Roy Nelson or somebody like that. I don't know, dude. Roy is surprising people. Come on. <laughs> yeah, but Roy would be like a foot away from him. Like, like John Jones ain't check Congo. No, John John Jones isn't check Congo, but you know what it is. Also, uh, Roy Nelson is good on the feet and good on the ground. Like that's the thing. Like John Jones is fighting dudes that like to stand and bang, and they can't close the distance. And then the guys he takes to the ground to say to say what what he did to Chael, which was he Chael Sonnen, Chael Sonnen. It's like. Are 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 you gonna Roy Nelson? Roy Nelson? Are you gonna take it to the ground with him? Because I'd love to see that, dude. I think he could. Like Roy Nelson is good at jujitsu, but I think he's he's far better on top. Like, ah, from I, top, true top position. He, he, his yeah, jujitsu is like, solid. I don't think he would really have much for John Jones. Like if John Jones gets on top of Roy Nelson, like it'd be different if he was fighting like Verdun. Like if if John Jones got on top of Verdun, I think. That would probably be kind of an issue, but if yeah, Verdum, Verdum will pull a fade or like I don't think Roy Nelson's guarded like that. Verdum will pull a fade or dude out of his hat. <laughs> yeah, Verdum can tap you from the bottom. I've never seen Roy Nelson tap anyone from the bottom. Well, you know what's funny? They were saying there were rumblings that Dana White kind of kind of reached out to Fedor again. Leave Fedor alone. Let him live in the mouth. <laughs> Fedor don't want to fight nobody. <laughs> Fedor, Fedor don't want to fight nobody, dude. But money's money. 
like like you get Fedor in there at two oh five, I don't know, man. You could you the, you could you could probably make some solid money at two oh five with him in there. Yeah, Fedor never seemed like he was really interested in fighting at two oh five at all. True. Even even though he could, he could. It, it almost seemed like an embarrassment to him. Like I have to cut weight. Like I don't want to. Like, he, you know, like whenever they asked him something about it, he seemed like embarrassed that like people were asking him to cut weight. Uh, one of the, one of the guys I work with was like, "Yo, Fedor looks like a guy that runs a deli counter that'll fuck you up if you don't pay for your sandwich." <laughs> <laughs> you know, like he's just such a regular dude. Like it'd be weird seeing him at two hundred five, kind of shredded. <laughs> yeah, I mean, lose. I mean, he was only like what two twenty ish. Yep, he was about two twenty ish. Wouldn't be lose, too bad. Lose the fifteen pounds, you know, you'd be fine. But I don't know. It just seemed like he didn't. He didn't want to. So. Speaking of cutting, we got a lot of roster cuts this week. Pablo Garza, Antonio Carvajal, um, Leonard Garcia, which, you know, ding, ding, ding. They, you know, it's like, um, finally. <laughs> <laughs> it took long enough. I mean. It really did, dude. And it's messed up because it's like, it's like, damn, you know, like you don't wish it on the dude, but it's like, seriously, now it's about it's about time. Bart Pawlowski also got cut, and now they're saying that che- like Czech Congo saying he's not cut. I think he's like renegotiating his contract. I don't know. Seems a little suspect. Um, Ruben Duran got cut. Kurt Hollibaugh got cut. Justin Lawrence, Sam Cecilia, uh, Issei Tamora. A- MMA Junkie actually reported though, so it's just serious roster purging. Hey, they said they got to cut hundred guys. I mean. This is what's gonna happen. Yeah, dudes, um, are, dudes aren't safe, none man. None of those fighters, really, to me, even scream like they should be in the UFC. Like, none of them really did any real impressive thing. So, Pablo Garza is definitely going to Bellator, though. You know that for oh, Pablo a fact. Garza, Pablo Garza is a good one forty-five. He'll he'll end up in Bellator, which I wouldn't suggest if you ever want to get back to the UFC. But he'll end up in Bellator or the World Series of Fighting or something like that. Well, one guy who cut himself was Shane Carwin. He officially announced his retirement um, via Twitter. And, you know, he last fought JDS at UFC 131 in June 2011. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all. He kept being injured and everything else. And it wasn't necessarily like he needed it. Because I think he's an engineer or something. Yeah, he's an engineer. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a legit dude. Like, he's got a legit career. Yeah, so it wasn't exactly like he needed it. I mean, it, it's probably for the best that he went ahead and retired. Plus, the the heavyweight division is evolving so quickly. Like, I think that one of the things that happened, and, and you know, Slick said it, you know, he's a monster. It's true. You know, Shane Carlin was a monster, and he, and he was in there during, you know, the, the Brock Lesnar era where, you know, the, you had these monstrous guys that would just come in there and slug it out. But we're starting to get more technical heavyweights, more well-rounded and athletic heavyweights, excluding Roy Nelson, but Roy Nelson's just a unique, unique human being. So he, he he's in his own category, but it's true. It's like, look at these dudes. Even even Frank Mir has had to evolve. Yeah, I mean, the heavyweight division is no longer like just super swole or super fat guys. Like, it's legit athletes. Like, uh, you know, Cain Velasquez, Junior Dos Santos, those are legit athletes. Even like uh, uh, 
Alex O'Ring is a legit athlete. Like, these are legit athletes. Uh, Shane Carver got away with just being a really big dude that hit really hard. Yep. Um, Napalm fist. really not going to fly in this heavyweight division. No, sir. Not in the least. But, you know, I, I wish him the best. I like Shane Carwin. The fight, his fight with Brock Lesnar was probably one of my favorite fights. Um, you know, even though he lost in that fight, it was just a, an awesome fight to see because you had these two massive human beings just, just slugging it out. It was not pretty in the least, dude. But I was entertained from bell to bell with that fight. Yeah, that was a great fight. It was one of the few times you saw Brock Lesnar like show like, Endurance. <laughs> Endurance and resiliency. Well, yeah, considering, I mean, he was fighting Shane Carwin. So, I mean, it's not hard to show endurance in a fight with Shane Carwin since the first 10 seconds is the only thing you need to worry about. Yeah, it, it, it's usually good night, Irene, within those first 10 seconds. You weather that, you'll be all right. Yeah. So, we're going to go into um, kind of straight dude territory with Ronda Rousey ending up in Maxim's Hot 100. And the photo that she put the photo that she put out for it, it's like, uh, yeah, check me out. I am butt ass naked except for this glove. <laughs> yeah, she um, she's using her attractiveness. I find it amusing considering like all that shit she talked about Misha Tate, and now she's like posed naked multiple times. Oh yeah, she's. But, but you know what it is? It it amuses me because it's like she she's number twenty nine. Okay, and, and the beauty of Maximlist is always that they're super, super subjective. Come on, we're dealing with a Maximlist where the number one hottest woman for 2013 is Miley fucking Cyrus. Wait, really? I, I didn't even know that. That's I, unfortunate. Yes. <laughs> wow, Slick said that Roy Nelson is the UFC version of Zach Galifianakis. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> Holy, my mind is blown with that reference. But yeah, yo, 100%, Miley Cyrus is the number one hottest chick, according to Maxim. Just yeah, saying. I was completely unaware of that. Um, that's okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. See? No words for that. See, and you know what's funny? It's like Ronda Rousey placed in number 29. Ahead of her were Demi Lovato, Topanga from Boy Meets World, and Olivia Munn. Seriously? Just saying. Yeah. It's, it's, it's suspect. But to, to use what you were saying, it's true. It's like, yeah, you know, she, she kind of gave Misha Tate some shit about some, you know, some ass shots and, you know, some pictures that she put out that were a little suspect. But it's like Ronda Rousey's like, naked? Magazine cover? No problem. As long as I don't got to show nothing, we're good. And it just amuses me because it's like, hey, whatever works, but it's just, you know, pot, meat, kettle in that instance. Especially since the Misha Tate one was actually not meant for everybody in their moment to see. That was just her tool-ass boyfriend posting an ash out his girlfriend sent him. Yep, which, you know, we, we, we have our own opinions of Mr. Caraway, but, um, you know, it's just, it's just crazy that this is this is honestly going to have to be the way for and it, and it's 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 good and bad. Like these women coming into the UFC, this is going to have to be like an un like an unwritten rule. Like yo, you're going to have to do the maxim shit and you may need to be on the bodies issue at ESPN. Uh, you know, as long as you're not doing like Flesh Peddler Weekly or Penthouse and anything, we're good. But you know, <laughs> Everything else is good gravy. Oh, you're on the cover of Oxygen and you got to wear some little shorts? No problem. Sign me up. 
I mean, right now, I think it's necessary, unfortunately, um, just to get the eyes on the sport. And then once it's more established, it won't be necessary that they do these sort of things. But right now, I think it's just happening. Well, I got a. Well, I got a question for you. Here's we've already yeah. seen Brittany Palmer and Ariani do Playboy. As a fan, as a fan of the sport, if Ronda Rousey said next week, "Yo, I'm going to be on the cover of Playboy," what would your opinion of her be? With that, because see, like doing Maxim and everything else, like Maxim to me is just Playboy. The separation of of Maxim and Playboy is fabric. That's it. <laughs> I, I'm serious, dude. Like reading, like reading Playboy is like so mainstream. You could probably read that shit on the bus, and nobody would bat an eyelash. I would hope that she wouldn't do it. Right, and it's it's. Uh, my opinion of her wouldn't change. I mean, I, I still think she's a great athlete, and I, I see it as straight promoting herself. Right. But I would really hope she wouldn't do that just because that's unneeded. Okay. <laughs> like, well, I wanted to ask like, you because... It's one thing, but, like, Playboy is a whole nother... Like, we don't really need to see you naked. Don't give all these neck beers out here anymore. <laughs> like, yeah, but, but dude, she's halfway there. She's, dude, glove placement was what changed that Maxim photo to a Maxim photo from a Playboy photo. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, like, yeah, I think, I think that Playboy, when, when, when somebody does Playboy, it's like, hi, look at me. I need extra attention. That's how I've always looked at it. Because if you're already successful and you're already out there and people are like, yo, that chick is bad. And then it's like, oh, I'm doing Playboy now. It's like, uh, versus Maxim. You know what I mean? Like, I think the acceptance level changes. Um, I, I don't know. I I just don't think she needs to do Playboy. Like, um, uh oh. I mean, go ahead, Slick. I see. I see him in the chat writing something. Go ahead, Ben. Oh yeah, but uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. I I just don't think she needs to do Playboy. Like, I don't think so either. I agree. I, I would hope she wouldn't. It wouldn't change, like I said. It wouldn't change my opinion of her at all. Like, I would still think she's promoting herself and all that stuff, but. Um, I mean, if she chose to do it, I guess that'd be good for the sport. It would get other eyes on women's fights, I guess. But yeah, but let, let's be know. real, dude. It's gonna get it's gonna get women. It's gonna get more eyes on women's fight and more sticky fucking pages. You're not creating new fans. Do you think a dude is opening up Playboy and going, "Wow, Ronda Rousey has a great armbar"? They're gonna be like, "Yo, Ronda Rousey has an excellent clam." Come on, like, like that's what yeah. that's what kills me with with like the stuff that like like her doing oxygen is great. It's empowering for women. Great stuff. Ending up in Maxim's Hot 100, no problem. Did you need to be butt ass naked for it? Not really. Like the body's issue, I can understand because that's their whole gimmick, which is their way yeah. of saying, "Hey, let's try and get everybody naked so that people buy this issue." Because nobody's out there reading ESPN like that. Yeah, I don't know. Like, ah, like, like I said, like don't give these neck bears anymore. Like incentive to be all weird towards you. <laughs> like if you, like I've seen these dudes, these dudes that seem like they've never been with a woman before. Oh yeah, the the wolves like, like frothing at the mouth when they see Ronda Rousey. Like dude, that's weird. 
Slick, <laughs> Slick said that it would validate women not, you know, people not considering they look like like Cyborg. But you know what? You want to know the crazy part? Cyborg was in the bodies issue. She was. What and they didn't even shout her out like that, which is fucked up. That's how you know that shit was a double standard. Because she was in the bodies issue, and that shit was crickets on the internet. It was crickets in her yeah. own organization. Her and her husband were both in the bodies issue. Not a peep. We, or her ex-husband, ex, ex-husband, I guess, uh, were in the body issue. It was kind of weird looking because um, those it was. creeped me out. And, yeah. you know, but no one said anything about it. Yep, not a peep, dude. And that's that's why I, I had to pose that question to you because it's 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 a very, very, very thin line between promotion and you know just over sexualizing your athletes yeah like yo Brittany palmer you want to go in there and be naked no problem good times let's do it ariani celeste great go out there and get naked you want to know why because the only thing you need to do cardio for is to make it around the octagon without breaking a sweat and and that's a double standard in itself considering shandella powell has never been seen again just because she has some New picks back in her day. Well, so, Sh- Shandella Powell, yeah, Shan- Shandella Powell was complete bullshit because it's like, yo, are you mad that she has some naked pictures out there that you guys didn't sign off for? Get the hell out of here! Especially since they were old and shit. But you know, um, yeah, I don't know. The UFC is weird. I, I would hope they would dissuade her from doing Playboy. I don't know, man. You know, Dana White, straight creep status. Go ahead, Ronda, no problem. I'm going to wear the cover of your shirt on a... Uh, I'm going to wear the cover of Playboy on a t-shirt. Go ahead. You know why it's probably already seen her naked, so... Yeah, you, <laughs> let's, let's not... Let's let's leave that alone before we get fucking sued. Anyway, um, Bellator 96. Bellator Summer Series is coming back. Your boy, Michael Chandler, defending his belt against Dave Jansen. King Mo testing his skills against Seth Petrozelli, which hopefully we don't get another Kimbo Slice moment. Jacob knows taking on Babalu and the return of War Machine. Uh, this summer series seems like a really big excuse to get King Mo another title <laughs> shot. I mean, it, it just does. I mean, I don't mind. It's just like, hey, let's do a full man tournament, which clearly he's probably gonna win. Yeah, uh, but um, you know, um, I. Wish they had done like different weight classes because I really don't care to see heavyweights in Bellator. In fact, I would prefer if Bellator just got rid of heavyweights altogether. But, well, you want to <laughs> know what's funny? King Mo wrestled a dark match with TNA also recently, so it's like it's like yo, he's legit keeping himself busy. But it's like you're fighting Seth Petrozelli, like that. Like even though people write off Seth Petrozelli as a, as as a scab or as a, as a bum, it's like yo, Seth Petrozelli can catch you. I wouldn't trip, and not for nothing. King Mo ate that spinning back fist and ended up looking like you know a, a picture of Mary holding Jesus, the way he was being <laughs> held. So I don't know, man. That that's like like if he comes in there and he half steps, he could get caught. Yeah, I, I don't think he'll. I don't think he'll have that problem in that fight. But I mean, I don't know. This summer series is just a strict. Hey, let's get King Mo another title shot. That's all it seems to be. Um, Bellator is not slick about it. Nope. But, you know, I don't. I don't mind. <laughs> Did you see the cast for their um their reality show? 
yeah, I'm not impressed at all. <laughs> it's like, yo, just to, just to kind of go off, not in, not into tangent territory, what the fuck is Joe Riggs doing there? I saw Joe Riggs. And I was like, what is, <laughs> I, I know they don't want to be like the Ultimate Fighter, which is fine. But why even do a reality show? Because this seems stupid. And, and plus, these people are like, hey, let's, uh, they can pick their coaches. Okay, so which one of these dudes is really not going to be just pick George, uh, not George Sapir, uh, uh, Greg Jackson or Randy Couture? Thank Who's you. really going to pick Joe Warren and, and Frank Shamrock? Like, why? I why can't, would you do that? I can't even look at Frank Shamrock seriously because he's like a 50-year-old man with fucking braces. Yeah, and Joe Warren <laughs> gives really pertinent advice in this corner. It's like, put hands on him. Like, <laughs> just, just, just the stuff you need to know, I guess. But, like, it's just like, the show looks stupid. It probably, it looks like, I saw the teaser and it looks all, it just looks dumb. And I'm not impressed by this, this roster of fighters. I, just, I don't know what to expect from this. Well, the funny thing is, is that they're talking about, like, Viacom kind of pushing Randy Couture as, like, the face of Bellator and kind of taking the spotlight away from Bjorn Rebney. And it makes you wonder, and, and this is why I mention it, do you think that Viacom is capable of, of pushing Rebney out and putting Bellator in the hands of Randy Couture? I think that would be incredibly stupid. Okay. Um, Beyond Rebney is not a figurehead. Like, Beyond Rebney... Got know, money in he, there. Uh, I think he, he... Not that he has... He's, a, he's not Dana, but he was a really good boxing promoter before this. He did that Sugar Ray Leonard boxing promotion. I think he did boxing after dark for a while, too. Yep. He was, he was a really good boxing promoter. So he knows what he's doing. Randy Couture has never run a company. And also, Viacom needs to really watch what they're doing with Bellator. It seems yeah. like their experience with the UFC and not having total control over everything seems to have uh, made them where they want total control over everything. And it's... Just from this and the Eddie Alvarez situation. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah, the like, Eddie. I, 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 I think this, this is going. To, they're going to end up going to Bellator. Yeah, I think I think the Eddie Alvarez situation is has has really really painted Bellator terribly. Yeah, right now. I, yeah, it just, it, the, the fact that it, just going into Eddie Alvarez situation. What does Bellator really gain? by not letting him leave because, I mean, you have the guy to beat him. Like, if this was the UFC, the UFC would be like, okay, you want to leave? Cool. We got the guy to just whoop your ass and, like, let him leave. It seems like Bellator is just, like, super – I don't even know what the word is. I think that's over a... the top with this, this weirdness, like, we're not letting him leave. Well, I think in Bellator's case, and, and you know, before we move on, I'll say this. I think in Bellator's case, the problem is that they have all these quote-unquote homegrown stars that they got, and they're I think they're just tired of them using their organization to springboard to the UFC. But the fact is that it's like, yo, you're the number two organization, depending on who you ask. Because some people will be like, yeah, I like 1FC, or I like, you know, World Series of Fighting, or whatever. Whatever the case is, it's like, yo... Everybody's going to fight with the pinnacle being the UFC. It's the same thing in wrestling. You can say TNA's company number two or Ring of Honor's company number two, but any of those guys that are in that organization, their motivation is to get up north. It's the same shit. 
Like, I don't understand why Bellator's so so greasy about it. It's like, yo, you created these guys great, and I'm and Joe Rogan will gladly acknowledge that. He'll be like, hey, man, that guy fought in Bellator. He got a really, really great record. You, you've seen him do it with Hector Lombard. Yeah, they'll bring it up. They'll, they'll, they'll mention it, and people are like, hey, what's Bellator? Yep. I mean, it, 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 there's nothing to be gained from this except fighters not wanting to fight for you. Bingo. There, there's, there, if, if, if I'm a young up-and-coming fighter, and I know that I go to Bellator, I win the tournament, I fight out the rest of my contract, I become a champion and fight out the rest of my contract. Matching period comes, the UFC tells me, you get an instantaneous title shot, you get pay-per-view cuts, all this stuff. Then Bellator can just come in and be like, yeah, well, we'll do the same thing, even though they can't. Like, why would you even say that? Like, you can't give me the same amount of money. Like, you're you're lying. So, I don't know. Bellator just seems... And I don't even think it's Bellator, per se. I think It's, it's Viacom. Viacom. Yeah, it's Viacom in their ear. Yeah, like, Viacom needs to calm down, because they, they're, they're going to ruin Bellator. Like, I Because this is going to come up again. Because I think Ben Askren's contract contract is up in a couple fights too. Like this is going to happen as these fighters' contracts go up, uh, come up. This is going to happen. Ben Askren's going to want to leave. I think Pat Carn at some point is going to want to leave. Yep. I mean, it's it's going to happen. Well, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be an MMA segment without uh, the Westland gangster making an appearance. Chael Sonnen went on Twitter and shouted out Vanderlei. Told him he had 24 hours to accept. He said that if that if he if he accepts, he will donate ten percent of his purse to help schools in the home in his hometown of Curitiba. I mean Vegas. Chael <laughs> sounded such an asshole. Uh, yeah. Dude, that's I, the I, that's I, the I, money I, fight though. We talked about this. You know that's the best fight for both these guys. Yeah, that's that's a money fight. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure it's going to end up being a. They're probably going to end up making a fight. Um. And it'll be fun to watch. Um, at least the build up and stuff. It'll be fun to watch. So did, did you see the um, video of Vanderlei kind of big time in Chael Sonnen in the cab? Yeah, I saw that like a couple of years ago. Like, yeah, I, when uh I don't know what <laughs> I guess he just called about on talking about Brazil, like Yep, when he was talking about feeding carrots to the bus. Yeah, I, I find that shit hilarious. But I don't know, I'd I'd love to see the fight. Um hopefully they, they, they do it. Um, cause it'll be a good fight to watch. Um, you know, Chell, I thought he would retire because I don't really know outside of this, like what he's going to do after this. Well, Vitor's but, starting to uh, run his mouth too now. Fucking Vitor said Chell? some shit this week. Like he was like, oh, you know, everybody's talking about me being on TRT, but you know, Chell, it's just like, really dude? Like, like you're really poking that. Che, you you talk shit about fighting Chael Sonnen. Chael Sonnen ethered you on UFC tonight, and then you're like, "Nah, I didn't say I wanted to fight him." You know that because I played Vitor the clip. Is, all right. The thing with Vitor is, is his thing with TRT is more annoyed. Like, cause Chael, you know, is like, "Yeah, I'm on TRT. I'll die without it," which I think is a boldface lie. But whatever, Vitor is trying to justify it in like the yep. weirdest ways possible. And like, dude, shut up, just. Just I'm leave the shit alone. Exactly. Like, if you're going to be on it, whatever. Um, I, I think it's legalized cheating. Most yep. people think it's legalized cheating. Okay. But you're on it. You can do it. Stop talking about it. Yeah. It because just, the more you try to justify it, the, more, the worse you look. 
Well, you know, it just irked me because it's like, yo, Chael just came off this fight with Jones. And everybody's like, oh, where's Chael going to go? You know, well, who's he going to fight? And it's like, everybody wanted the Vanderlei fight. And here comes Vitor now. Like I said, that's kind of what, what, what got under my skin. It's like, dude, you talk shit. You could have had the fight with Chael. And Chael said it. He's like, dude, I'll fight you. You know, he said, he said, you're a man of God. I can arrange that meeting verbatim. Like, Chael legit ethered you on television. And then they were like, Vitor, you know, comment. He's like, uh, nah, I don't want to fight him. I'm like, dude, he just, he just told you he would make you meet God. And you're a holy man. You know, you're, you're this religious dude. You know, I'm so happy. I want to thank Jesus Christ for giving me the strength to come out here and fight for my fans. You know, like, yo, you coming out of your face, dude straight said he would, he would murk you. And you're like, yeah, nah. <laughs> yeah, Vitor, Vitor has become annoying. <laughs> when he's not fighting, he talks too much, and it, it's just annoying. At this point. Like, if you're not going to do anything about anything you say, you just don't say it at all. Yep, like, like I'll take that Vanderlei fight with, with Chael because, A, the buildup is going to be ridiculous. B, the weigh-ins are going to be ridiculous. And see if it's on free TV, everyone will watch that. Yeah, I, yeah, I'd, I'd watch it. So hopefully they do it though. Yeah, they're saying they're saying um on for Fox One for the debut on Fox One in August, they may hit us with that. Yeah, um, I I hope that wouldn't be the main event, but I'd watch it. I'd, but I hope I, that wouldn't be the main event. I'd take it. I'd I'd do another. I'd do some sort of a title fight for that for that card just to get people in there. Yeah, um, you don't even necessarily need to do a title fight. Just I don't know a fight that's more um, uh pertinent, like so some something like a title eliminator or something. I, I just wouldn't make the Vitor Belfort Chelsea fight the the, the, uh, the number one fight on that card. Makes sense. So, before we wrap things up, you know that UFC now is part of the paid YouTube channel club. And, um, little 14-day trial. And here's the thing. You're going to pay for the paid YouTube channel, but you're still getting ads. And Google is collecting about 45% of the subscription and ad revenue from the channels. What the hell? Hmm. I don't know, paid channels. I don't know. On YouTube. <laughs> you. On YouTube. You watch YouTube on the toilet when you're taking a dump. Who's going to sit? I mean, don't get me wrong. I have YouTube on my TV and on my Xbox and shit. But it's like keyboard cat, you know, um, two big chicks twerking on a bus, um, <laughs> you know, shit like that. You know, Kim Kardashian photoshops where her looking like a couch. That's what I look at fucking YouTube for. I'm not going to pay YouTube any money. Get out of here with that shit. Yeah, it's like Facebook trying you to send messages to certain people and shit like that. Like, I'm not paying you. Nah. <laughs> it's not happening. <laughs> well, they actually... Um, There's a way that I can find yeah, no. everything that you're making me pay for for free. <laughs> well, you know what the thing is? They're like, oh, you're going to get, you know, the full event replays and classic fights, and you're going to watch UFC Unleashed and Best of Pride Fighting Championships and The Ultimate Fighter. I'm like... That's called Spike TV at like 3 a.m. That's called, you know, FX at like 2 o'clock. 
or maybe FX on a Saturday afternoon. Like, come on. Yeah, I ain't paying for that shit. <laughs> there you go. Well, that wraps up the MMA for this week. Um, as always, you can follow Ben on Twitter at Blackout89. Anything else you wanted to uh, put out there? Um, still doing the Double H D podcast. Um, for those who don't know, um, I have a uh, podcast. We we because we have finals uh, last like last week. We really haven't done anything for it, but um, we have a episode that we recorded two days ago that we posted probably today or tomorrow. And uh, yeah, Double H D podcast. So you guys just come on Facebook, um, like us, um, listen to the podcast. You can download it. Um, yeah, we're, we're trying to get it on a more consistent basis because we had school finals and all that. We started like a week before finals, so. Well, I know, I know, John Blade has has his thoughts on this, and I figured I'd I'd, I'd pluck your your brain before we close things out. Uh, Chief Keith working with Kanye West. Uh, that's unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> that's all, that's all I needed I to hear. No desire to listen to that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, John Blade will be very happy <laughs> when he hears that. <laughs> I that that's all that's all I needed. <laughs> I should just I should just isolate that. Just just Ben saying that's unfortunate. <laughs> just play that as a sound clip every week. That's unfortunate. <laughs> yeah, man, I have no desire to hear that. I don't care how good the beat sounds. I don't have any desire to hear that. Oh, there you go. All right, man. I will catch you next week. All right, man. All right, brother. Thanks. Peace. There you go, ladies and gents. That was Ben. You can find Ben on Twitter at Blackout89. Always look for him on our Facebook fan page, and you can always read his articles on MyTakeRadio.com. I am curious to see who is going to be Ben's fighter of the month for May, considering how many great fights we got going on. Well, with MMA out of the way... You know what time it is. It is time for wrestling. We want the gold, sucker! Hulk Hogan, we coming for you, nigga! So let's get the ball rolling with the three-hour colostomy bag that was Monday Night Raw. And the reason I say that is because the majority of the the show was full of shit. I kid you not. It was three hours of my life that I wish would be pretty much stripped out of my head, ran over with a car, and flushed down a toilet. Because it really was a complete throwaway episode. Complete and utter throwaway from start to finish. And there were there were high points, don't get me wrong, but it just felt so phoned in this week that I was just disgusted. We got Orton and Sandow, which was which was a, a a solid match, you know, pretty solid, but the thing that kills me, I like what Val says. Val says Raw is not war, Raw is shit. Um Orton fighting Sandow, look, well, wrestling against Sandow. It it's a nice match to open things up, but losses like that kill guys like Damian Sandow. The only thing that redeemed Damian Sandow 
was him pretty much clowning Randy Orton in in, in his little uh and making fun of the Voices in My Head song, which was tremendous. I think I laughed for a good 10 minutes just because Damian Sandow pretty much just just murked Randy Orton. And I personally enjoyed that quite a bit just because Randy Orton is boring as shit. Don't get me wrong. He has the cool um, DDT and, and, you know, the running power, you know, the power slam, the snap power slam is cool. But he's just he's just sometimes a pain in the ass to watch. I'm like, yo, come on, dude. Get out of here with that shit. And it's unfortunate because I really try to give Randy some love on occasion, but he is just boring. Boring as shit. And it's just it's sad. Especially for a guy like Damian Sandow, who is incredibly enjoyable to watch, and he has to go out there and um have the not to say he has these piss poor matches, but it's just, I don't know. I think, I think, like I said, and this is something I've said in numerous episodes, the losses for certain guys are more detrimental because it, it really hurts them. It, it hurts them tremendously. Like I said, I just, I'm not a fan of, um, of, of guys like, like Sandow going in there and having the match with Orton. It's just really hurting Sandow because the loss it's just going to make Sandow look weak. And and you can do the logic of, oh, you know, he fought um, a, a nine-time world champion and it was great like the announced team was going to do, but it, it, it really wasn't that good. Then um, Big Show comes out, hits him with the sandwich punch, and, you know, Raw rages on. So R-Truth was supposed to have a match with Fandango. And Chris Jericho came out before the match, got himself a um, some scores with uh, Sweet Tea and Brodus Clay because you know we need those guys out there. And um, you know they they were gonna do Dancing with the Scar, Dancing with the Scars, Dancing with the Stars, scoring. Fandango ended up walking out because he didn't want to wrestle R Truth. I think because R Truth is black. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Fandango is not a racist. Um, it was just funny to say, but seriously, I think that, you know, they, they didn't want Fandango to look bad in this match, which was obvious. And they still wanted to keep our truth semi-relevant. So, uh, yeah, root for the guy that talks to an invisible child or root for the guy that probably has one of the catchiest theme songs ever. And just for that, you fuckers are going to be stuck listening to this. Yeah, I played that shit because I needed a drink of water. Sue me. Anyway, <laughs> uh, Dolph Ziggler with uh, the master of the memory masher. Thank you, Slick. Uh, Biggie Langston and AJ took on Alberto Del Rio and his pet bullfrog, Ricardo Rodriguez, in a match that we're probably going to continue to see every week until Extreme Rules, because why not? And... um the thing that annoys me about this is just the fact, you know, 19 people got involved so that nobody would look weak, which is fine. But if you if you can't find other ways to have these guys get involved than giving us singles match with each of them, like clearly Dolph Ziggler may wrestle Jack Swagger next week. Maybe Del Rio will wrestle uh, Zeb 
you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's the same shit every week, and it's a terrible buildup for the pay-per-view because you risk these guys getting hurt, much like Dolph Ziggler getting a concussion on SmackDown. Spoiler alert, fuck you. <laughs> so, seriously, I, th- I think the match itself was just wasted because you're not giving us too much to work with, especially with leading up to an event. You're trying to build this triple threat ladder matchup, and there's better ways to do it. I mean, obviously, the whole ladder thing was cool. And um, that was probably the post-match was what I enjoyed the most because Swagger pretty much tried to kill everyone dead and um, standing tall afterwards, which means that Zeb Coulter and Jack Swagger are getting nowhere near the belt and Dolph Ziggler will probably retain in super athletic fashion at the pay-per-view. Simple as that. So, Caitlyn and the Funkadactyls and stupid, stupid secret admirer angle, which it's either Hornswoggle the bell is playing a terrible prank um, or the great Kali himself cheating on Natalia. And we're going to get a Kali heel turn with a big three-way love angle. You heard it here first. Um, I will tell you though, my boys, the shield, I believe in the shield. They were the high point of the entire night because their match with Kofi Kingston and the Usos was tremendous. Not only did you have, Great athleticism from everybody involved, but the finisher that Ambrose used on Kofi Kingston was bananas. Kofi Kingston sold it like a champion. The Usos continue to be extremely underrated, considering that, you know, they're wrestling their cousin across from them, you know, with Roman Reigns, who's they're all those Samoan dudes, they're all related. They all they all share the same DNA. All of them. So they're pretty much wrestling one of their cousins there. And of course, you know, they made sure to not acknowledge any aspect of Roman Reigns' Samoan heritage, just saying. But overall, the entire high point of the evening can be summed up with the Shield delivering a tremendous match with Kofi and the Usos. All signs are pointing to Reigns and Rollins challenging for the tag team belts and Ambrose possibly challenging for the U.S. title. Um, Yes, yes, Slick, Roman Reigns is related to The Rock as well. All the Samoan dudes are related. You look up their family tree, they're all related somehow. Sisters, nephews, brothers, cousins, next door neighbors, best friends, brother. What does that make us? Absolutely nothing. But seriously, Spaceballs reference for Dark Helmet. The fact is, all of these guys, they're all related. They all come from tremendous wrestling pedigrees. And you know Vince is squirting in his shorts, praying to God that Roman Reigns becomes relevant so he can groom him to be the next Rock. The guy... You know, don't get me wrong, the Usos look exactly like The Rock, which is scary at times. Considering that Rikishi's their dad, it, it just creeps me out because the Usos come out. I'm like, yo, it's really like The Rock in junior high school. Little chubby Samoan dudes coming out. It, it, it's so The Rock. It's it's scary. And I just feel bad that the Usos are so underutilized because they are extremely talented. I mean, I enjoy their entrance. They come out, they do the Siba Tau. You could you could use Rikishi as their manager. Why they don't do it, I don't know. Because you that would be the best way to do it, and you'd utilize a guy who's still entertaining. I'm not saying go out there and have Rikishi dance around like a fucking asshole every week, but let him manage his sons. I think it would be great television, and it would work. It really would work. So Zack Ryder got murder death killed again. It didn't matter that he had long hair. He got killed by, by Antonio Cesaro. I was very happy because we got no yodeling from Antonio Cesaro. Thank God they stopped that shit. I also liked 
Antonio Cesaro's post-match promo. Um, the thing that got me was that I actually thought Cesaro broke character in that promo because he grabbed the mic and he like acknowledged like NXT and Saturday Morning Slam and superstars and all that shit. So I, I almost felt like he was breaking breaking the uh, the fourth wall, so to speak. But it was scripted and it just it, it looked good, man. I think Cesaro was legit in in his gripe. And I think that that's a great way to set up some competition. What you should have done at that point was make somebody come out to build up a brand new feud. If anything, Antonio Cesaro, Wade Barrett should be should be the feud that that would happen. Maybe you start turning Wade Barrett face. I wouldn't mind that. Maybe start turning Wade, but not even completely face, but, you know, kind of a tweener. I think a feud with Cesaro and Wade Barrett would be tremendous. The matches would be good. They'd be some some hard hitting matches, but that that would involve being creative and doing something smart. And uh, yeah, we're not doing that. Considering you gave the fucking guy a yodeling gimmick for like two weeks, one of the kings of wrestling, a Ring of Honor standout, a guy who probably is one of the strongest guys on your roster and is an accomplished old school wrestler and you make him come out and fucking yodel that's what you do you make him yodel just saying then we got paul Heyman via satellite he um wanted to show that him and brock lesnar remodeled triple h's office which was probably the most lame office i've ever seen for a guy that's an executive translation that wasn't triple h's office i will say that when brock lesnar pretty much pie faced that one dude it looked like a like a scene from Deliverance, where you you really thought that Brock Lesnar was gonna probably rape that guy. He's like, "What did you say? Shut your mouth!" And the guy's just like, "Oh God, please!" But he sold it terribly because all the people in that office were just horrible actors. You mean to tell me that the WWE office, these guys all walk in and they've never seen Brock Lesnar before and they're cowering in fear? What? Because he's wearing the same Adidas track pants he wears every week. Because he's got his Johnny Bravo uniform on. Seriously, Brock Lesnar must not have any other clothes if all he wears are Adidas track pants and his own t-shirt. Seriously, he should come out there in his camo that he uses to kill deers with like a deer head. And he should just pull up and leave like a dead deer in Triple H's office. It would have looked cooler. It would have been fun. But no, we're going to remodel Triple H's fake office with Triple H's, you know, three pound sledgehammer. Seriously. I have a sledgehammer I use in the house to break stuff, and it is not the ridiculous Ken doll-sized sledgehammer that Triple H uses. It is it is so sad, and not for nothing, you hit somebody in the face with a sledgehammer. I mean, don't get me wrong, Triple H blatantly puts his hand in front of it, but some shit is just it's just way too phony for its own good. You hit somebody in the stomach with a sledgehammer, I don't care how big the sledgehammer is, you are fucking them up. But, you know, Triple H cracks somebody in the forehead with a sledgehammer and they come back next week with a fucking Band-Aid. Do your homework, guys. Just saying. Caitlyn and the Funkadactyls took on AJ Lee and the Bellas in the Angle Advancement, a.k.a. Look at All These Hot Chicks match, which is pretty much what it was. I think this was the match where every 12-year-old boy had a boner and everybody else pretty much turned the channel. Because that's how it went. You knew the Bellas were going to pull their, ha ha, loser, I'm going to put an L on my head because you're an L7 weenie. That's what you're going to do because the Bellas are garbage. And yeah, you knew AJ was going to be left out there to get beat up by Caitlyn and the Soul Sisters. You knew that shit was going to happen. So 
Right after that match, they showed a Diddy Be A Star anti-bullying campaign commercial, and that's followed up with Mark Henry beating Sheamus like a slave. Just saying, be a star, guys, be a star. Um, Mark Henry came out, proceeded to beat Sheamus like he stole something, and yell, that's what I do, a hundred times. I'm not even going to acknowledge the Sheamus-Wade Barrett match because we've seen the shit a thousand times. So no, we're not acknowledging that in the least. We are acknowledging Sheamus being beaten like a slave by by you know by Mark Henry. I think this is to make up for Michael Hayes making black jokes about Mark Henry. It's going to be like, Vince was probably like, Mark, you're going to go out there and you're going to beat Sheamus like a slave. I want you to yell at him and call him boy and beat him. That's what I want you to do. Beat him. Oh, and by the way, I think Sheamus from now on, if he wants to be taken seriously, needs to come out to House of Pain. Just saying. But I, I have to admit that the um the ass whooping that, that Sheamus took from that belt match, which you you know is gonna lead to a strap match. Um the fact is that was a good setup. Sheamus being super pale made it look like he was just a victim of a hate crime and it worked. I was um I w- I was really digging that. It was cool, but the end of the night was uh Kane Ryback. But before I get into that, seriously, you guys don't think that Sheamus would just be a more badass dude if he came out to this shit? Just when you want it. But I'm not a leprechaun You wanna fight this step up and we'll get it on You get a right to the grill I'm right and I ill A descendant of Dublin with Titanic skill I ducked and I swing Next thing your jaw's broken Punk I ain't joking You can bet you be choking On a fistful of nothing Meanwhile I'll be puffing on a fat blunt What punk you don't know the hat Trying to talk shit man Please don't make me laugh These Irish eyes are smiling I'm up while in the house Come on You don't think that him coming out to some House of pain top of the morning to you Would not get people hype Come on Shit, I'd 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 be rapping right along with him. It it would it would be tremendous. I mean, if if I really went with Top of the Morning to you because it's the most Irish sounding song, but but you know that the real '80s babies would get hype if he came out to this shit. Come on, with a little beanie on and Hornswoggle wearing a big gold shamrock around his neck? Come on. It would be tremendous. Just little Hornswoggle coming out. He got a big gold shamrock on. Sheamus got his little Newsies hat. And he's and he's throwing fucking Lucky Charms into the crowd. Come on, racial overcoats, guys. Racial overcoats. If R-Truth got to be the rapping black guy, Sheamus legit has to be Captain Lucky Charms. Just going out there throwing cereal and shit into the stands you know, little jump around, crowd starts jumping, you got Hornswoggle jumping up on his little fucking barstool legs. Come on, it would be tremendous. It would be the greatest thing ever. Seriously. Slick, if he had done that at WrestleMania, had Everlast rapping, that would have blown the roof off. Yes. Come on, man. It's like, do I got to write this shit for you guys? WWE, do, do your homework. Take advantage of that shit. 
Anyway, so the reason I also played the music was because I need another drink of water. But don't judge me. Ryback and Kane was as boring as you would expect. And I got to really acknowledge Captain Quark for this. Because Ryback rules is screaming pretty much the equivalent of Old Doyle rules. It's all um, definitely a shout out to Captain Quark because that was the greatest shit. Just Ryback rules is the equivalent of Old Doyle rules. Maybe Ryback will be driving to Monday Night Raw next week and drive his car over a a banana peel and over a cliff. And we don't got to deal with him being like... (laughs) Cena... I saw you in the shower. Seriously, that's that's really what it is. Him breathing and snarling with that terrible ass overbite. It's just it's just not good TV. It's not. It was three hours of bullshit. It's it's awful. It is awful. The high point, like I said, the shield. That's it. So let's let's get rid of this abortion that was raw. And let's talk about TNA impact, which had some solid matches, minus, you know, aces and eights and, and their bullshit. But um, Velvet Sky and Mickey James took on Tara with Gail Kim in a pretty decent match. Of course, Velvet Sky gets the pinfall, looking solid. Um, Tara continues to be great and looking fantastic in every match to think that she's like 40 years old. Um, it's just uh, it's just bananas. Tara, Tara can go out there and wrestle a wet paper bag and make it fun. It was great. Um, I still say ODB is underutilized, but that's a story for another day. Uh, D'Lo Brown. I, I'm just, I, I have nothing to say about D'Lo Brown, about D'Lo facing the music. It was, it was just stupid. D'Lo, taking D'Lo seriously as a member of Aces and Eights is the equivalent of Carlton joining the Bloods from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Carlton Banks as a member of the Bloods is D'Lo in Aces and Eights. Same shit can't take it seriously you can't magnus meanwhile took on doc because that was the setup and he looked really really good magnus is a guy who you can definitely build as a as a main eventer the guy he has the look he's young he gets to wake up next to mickey james every day the, the, the dude's the complete deal he, he's he's a guy that you could definitely start moving up to the to the mid card and put a belt around him, even if it's, you know, a TV title or something. Yeah, definitely. Val said it best. Magnus for TV champ. You're not doing nothing with Matt Morgan. At least do something with Magnus, who's a more solid guy. The match with, with Doc was shit. It's like Magnus versus Festus. Hooray. Meanwhile, you know, we got a ton of angle advancement. Fast forward through that shit. Austin Aries and Bobby Roode took on bad influence. Christopher Daniels and Frankie Kazarian in a number one contenders match. James Storm was the uh, special guest referee. It was a tremendous match. Um, Austin Aries, these four guys, you really can put them in five different matches a week and they'd be amazing each and every one, especially if stipulations are on the line. Like I'd like to see Roode and Aries against... Daniels and Kazarian against Team Mexico in a ladder match with the tag team titles on the line. It would be ridiculous. I think it would just be fantastic. I think that the no that the stupid ending with um you know with James Storm kind of sullied the match a bit, but it was it, it's right up there with how the Shield and Kofi Kingston and the Usos match was just really enjoyable from start to finish. Aces and Eights killed Magnus dead backstage. 
We got a hype video for my boy, Suicide, who's coming back next week. I mean, not next week. He's coming back um, the 23rd. And I'm sorry. A lot of people feel that that gimmick was was contrived and silly. But Suicide was awesome. And if you would have done a better job with it, he'd probably be the guy that you could build that division around. We get a little bit of Kenny King promo action to set up his match with Chris Sabin. So, you know, it's all good. Kurt Angle, Sting, and the quote-unquote mystery opponent take on aces and eights. Uh, the match itself was was really, really good. And surprisingly enough, it was not AJ Styles, but a returning abyss. Thank God they got rid of stupid lawyer abyss and brought back badass mankind 2.0 abyss to go in there and black hole slam the shit out of everybody. I think it was a good way to close out TNA this week. Uh, the faces looked really strong. Aces and eights were on the ropes. Um, they did take Magnus out, which was a bit of angle advancement. I will say that not by a large margin, but Impact was better than Raw this week. Really was. For a multitude of reasons. Better better angle advancement, better storytelling, uh, better women's wrestling. You guys know the deal. It was just better overall. So... Raw would probably get a 3 out of 10. Impact would probably get like a 6 out of 10 because they did have some bullshit too, but it wasn't that bad. So, like I said, Suicide comes back May 23rd. Now, think about this. It's not the MMA segment. What is Chael Sonnen doing here? Hold on a second. Where's Abyss Manager? Where's James Mitchell? I need some awesome mic spots. I agree. James Mitchell is tremendous. I don't know why... WWE or TNA don't pick him up and and handle handle their business because James Mitchell just makes anybody look good. But that's a story for another day. Anyway, so Chael Sonnen's in the wrestling segment for this week because he said um, that after he retires, he would love to buy the WWE. He told uh, a rep for, for Sonnen told TMZ he wants to buy the WWE after he retires from UFC competition. The rep said that Sonnen isn't joking and is already taking meetings with friends in the investment world about plans to do so. Obviously, a rep for WWE had to be asked about it, which, by the way, WWE is worth half a billion dollars. Um, That rep told TMZ that we are a publicly traded company. Chael Sonnen is more than welcome to purchase shares of WWE stock and become one of our valued shareholders. Chael Sonnen is always going to be Chael Sonnen, but not for nothing. Chael Sonnen in in the wrestling business would be fun to watch. Like, he's the kind of guy that I would bring in to be the general manager of Raw. I'm not saying Chael's got to go out there and wrestle, but Chael Sonnen, Raw GM, would be fucking hilarious. Number one, it would get Vicky Guerrero off my fucking screen, maybe send her to SmackDown with Teddy Long and, um, you know... Brad Maddox, but Chael Sonnen would be an awesome GM. Just think about that. Just him coming out there, just cutting promos, insulting the shit out of people. It would be great. See, even Slick agrees. That would make for great programming. It's true. Chael wants to do wrestling so badly, and, you know, he's friends with CM Punk, and I'm sure CM Punk will put in a good word, but you're not going to get Chael Sonnen wrestling within a year. But if you wanted to keep him relevant and take advantage of his popularity, you would say, you know, Vince could come out and be like, you know, I want to bring in a guy who, who's got who's got grapefruits, a guy who's willing to take this company to the next level, a guy who's willing to mix it up a little bit. 
Vicky, you're fired. And then bring out Chael Sonnen. Dude, people would go crazy. Crazy. It would be it would be tremendous. It would be tremendous to do it like that. You know, you get Vince's blessing, or maybe he comes in with um with CM Punk brings brings him in as his other representative. Like there's a falling out with Paul Heyman and Chael Sonnen becomes CM Punk's mouthpiece. Oh, that would be ridiculous. Just Chael Sonnen talking shit for three hours. It would it, imagine the exchanges between Chael Sonnen and Paul Heyman. Just just visualize that for a second. Ridiculous is one word that would sum that up. Anyway, The Undertaker's in the news this week, not because he's married to Michelle McCool, not because he has children, not because he has a terrible haircut or because he wears Spanx at WrestleMania, but because he is getting surgery. He's getting surgery on his right shoulder and his left hip. But it seems that The Undertaker has told Vince McMahon that he will be at WrestleMania 30 and that he has ideas for the event. He's saying, allegedly, according to WrestleZone, that he'd like to work with either John Cena or Brock Lesnar. He also said he had some ideas regarding The Shield because he says that he sees big money in those three athletes. So there you go. The Shield gets the Undertaker's blessing, and Undertaker wants to wrestle either John Cena or Brock Lesnar. I will say... A Brock Lesnar John uh Brock Lesnar Undertaker match would need to be very physical and considering that his body's just held together with Elmer's glue and Paul Bearer's ashes, that's not the way to go. I would rather see Undertaker and John Cena because John Cena has five moves, he wrestles incredibly safe, and it, I don't think the Undertaker would take a beating in that match. He wouldn't. I'd rather Brock Lesnar and the Rock for WrestleMania 30, or maybe Brock Lesnar in a returning Batista, just because it just looks better, more physical. Brock Lesnar coming in there and powerbombing The Undertaker, he'd probably kill him. Undertaker would probably have a stroke after that match. Just saying, it. don't do not do that. Taker, Cena, Lesnar, Rock, um, I don't know, Triple H Punk, Triple H Batista, and maybe Punk and Dolph Ziggler, or Punk and Brian. Either way. Either of those I'll take. So, even though I shit on the WWE for Monday Night Raw and the things that they've done, um, they are they put out a press release that they are working with Susan Coleman for The Cure, who um, we work with every year for Brawling for Boobies. Um, they're going to be doing a you know an event for Mother's Day, and they're raising money and doing stuff for that. You guys have probably seen some of the commercials already um, with breast cancer and tying it into Mother's Day, which... Um, psychologically for me sucks, but uh, as always WWE, when it comes to charity, they do great things with make a wish. Uh, their partnership with Coleman for the cure is tremendous, especially with the work that we've done with them. Coleman for the cure is a great organization and WWE is always does, does the right thing. So kudos to them. A Blu-ray that I'm sure a lot of you guys are going to be picking up this coming. Well, probably in two weeks. Uh, is it two weeks? Yeah. I want to say two weeks cause today's, Today's Friday. Oh, happy birthday, Grandma. <laughs> Just remember, we are. it's officially May 10th. Anyway, WWE's putting out a DVD and Blu-ray collection of the top 25 greatest rivalries. And they got a couple of really, really awesome matches on there that I'd pick up just because... These are matches I know you probably wouldn't find on another box set. So I'm going to just run down some of the matches in case you guys want to pick it up. Hogan versus Piper from February 18th, 1985. 
the I Quit Steel Cage match between Tully Blanchard and Magnum TA. That I want to see. That's from Starcade 1985. I was five years old when that shit went down. Bruiser Brody versus Abdullah the Butcher. Uh, a Bad Street Rules match between the Von Erich brothers against Terry Gordy and Buddy Roberts. Hogan and Savage versus the Million Dollar Man and Andre the Giant from SummerSlam 1998. I would, I'd definitely, that's on my radar just for those four matches. The Undertaker and Mankind from King of the Ring. Taz versus Sabu from Barely Legal. I believe that was the one where Taz's suplex broke Sabu's neck. I think I actually have the Barely Legal DVD with that match. Also, the final battle between Raven and Tommy Dreamer from Wrestlepalooza 1997. The winner-take-all handicap ladder match, Stone Cold versus Mr. McMahon and Shane McMahon. That was the match where I believe Vince broke his tailbone from King of the Ring 1999. Uh, Triple H versus The Rock from Backlash 2000. Stone Cold versus The Rock from Rebellion 2001. Kurt Angle versus Brock Lesnar from SummerSlam 2003. John Cena versus Edge in the steel cage match for the WWE Championship. That was from Raw October 2nd, 2006. But if you get the Blu-ray, you're going to get Shawn Michaels' tribute to The Undertaker. Then you're going to get the six-man tag team match for the WWE Championship, which was Triple H, Batista, and Shane McMahon against Legacy, Randy Orton, Cody Rhodes, and Ted DiBiase. That's from Backlash 2009. You're also going to get the CM Punk John Cena match from Night of Champions from September 16th, 2012. I think just that six-man tag match plus the championship match would definitely make the Blu-ray edition, the one to pick up. If you guys want to pick it up, you can always grab it from the My Take Radio Amazon store. Obviously, you get the reliable service of Amazon, plus you get to help us out in the process. So there you have it. Ring of Honor's in the news this week, and it's not for good news because Jay Briscoe got himself into some trouble. The Ring of Honor world champion sent out a tweet that said that he would fucking shoot anyone who tried to teach his kids that gay marriage was okay. Obviously, this tweet caused tremendous controversy, leading to a statement which from Ring of Honor that pretty much said, you know, the Briscoe's thoughts do not reflect those of Ring of Honor. Ring of Honor ended up releasing a second statement, which was Jay Briscoe would like to again express his sincerest apologies and regrets to all, especially his young fans, for his recent hateful Twitter comment. Ring of Honor has insisted that Jay also make a public apology at the Ring of Honor event this Saturday. Jay will address the public during the event. In addition to this apology, Ring of Honor and Jay have agreed that he will donate his full pay from the next two Ring of Honor events to Partners Against Hate's charitable organization. Partners Against Hate was created to help prevent, deter, and reduce juvenile hate-related behavior. So there you have it. A couple of things about this. and, And again, the views reflected here are my views and my views only. They do not reflect the views of the rest of the MTR staff. Just figured I would say that. Um, Jay Briscoe fucked up. He fucked up royally. I think we we live in an age where tolerance is paramount, and when you are the champion and face of your organization, you really should demonstrate a little bit of restraint. Obviously, Jay Briscoe's apology, while he is going to apologize, and I'm sure it'll be somewhat sincere, the fact is that he blatantly said that um, he would shoot somebody that tried to teach his kids that gay marriage was okay. Clearly, 
He is not a fan of gay marriage. This has nothing to do with wrestling or his character. This is him as an individual. He is not a fan. Could he have expressed it differently? Sure. Did he not? No. But then again, these are these are guys who are who who are redneck hillbilly guys that wrestle. That's their gimmick. So you have to when you're the champion especially, you have to be careful and on Twitter, which is such a huge forum, it was bound to snowball into something substantially bigger. Was he wrong? Absolutely. And I'll t- I'll tell you why. Whether whether it's religious or not and you don't agree with it, there's a better way to express yourself. These are the facts. I remember growing up, my mom was, you know, like like all old school Spanish moms. She ex- incredibly colorful and to the point when it came to to all this stuff. But she was always she always told us to be tolerant and respectful of others' disabilities. I think this is one of the reasons why, whenever I take my sisters out and they get treated uh, differently. I end up pretty much reacting akin to somebody stealing the last Pop-Tart that belonged to the Hulk, which means that pretty much I will level an entire city block if they are treated unfairly. Now, I understand he's saying that because he doesn't feel that that's right or wrong. But again, just because you're not a fan of gay marriage or you don't agree, save that for the privacy of your own home as a representative of an organization as their champion, keep your fucking mouth shut. Seriously. It's as simple as that. Me personally, I have no problem. You want to know why? Because, and, and, and again, a little bit of real world for you guys. My mom was a career, career foster parent, career. And we had the opportunity to raise children, handicapped children, non-handicapped children, children from, from drug-addicted households, children that were given away, etc., etc., etc. And you want to know what the funny thing was? That a lot of the people that took the time to raise these children, some of them were gay. And you want to know what the terrible shit is? That those kids grew up better and, and, more, and more well-off than kids that were raised by straight parents. And, and again, my beliefs... Simple as that. If, if, if people can go out there and get themselves knocked up and give their kids away or not raise them again, you know, personal, personal experiences aside, the fact is that who are we to judge that? Honestly, if, if there's if there's some sort of higher power or whatever it is, because let, let's be honest, I don't you know, I don't talk about God or any of that stuff because I, I have my own issues with God. So I, I don't get into that stuff. But let's be legit. If you have children and you don't agree with, with, you know, gay marriage or whatever, and you want to tell your kids, you know, I don't agree with that. That's fine. But you can't tell them, I don't agree with that. And you know, gay people are bad because your kid's going to grow up to be a piece of shit and a bully. I'm sorry. That's just not the way it works. If you don't agree with it, that's great, but you can't go out there and, and preach it in an open forum because guess what? Wrestling is watched by young people, and they're going to be like, well, you know, if the Briscoes think that, that gay people being married is bad, then, you know, I think it sucks too. And, and it's crazy because, yeah, wrestling is fake, but that particular statement was very, very, very real. This isn't a character. This isn't an angle. This isn't a shoot either. These are the facts. 
The guy pretty much said, I will kill somebody that, that legit, I will shoot somebody that, that teaches my kids gay marriage is okay. Why would you say that? It's just bad form all across the board. Like I said, religious views aside, whatever the case is, everybody's entitled to believe what they believe. But the fact is that if you want to raise children and make sure that they don't end up being slaves or, you know, sex slaves or going through the system and becoming criminals or et cetera. And, and maybe you have a domestic partnership with, with another male or another female. Guess what? You're probably doing a better job raising these kids than the system does. And I fucking tip my hat to you. Now, if you're a hardcore Republican or, or if you're a person that doesn't believe in those values, I'm sorry. Again, my values don't reflect the values of my staff or the show as a whole. They are mine. But I'm going to be honest with you. I don't care. You two guys want to get married? Go ahead. As long as they can get divorced and have to go through all the same bullshit that men and women go through, have at it. Go ahead. I it doesn't bother me in the least. Simple as that. So I figured I'd share that with you guys again um dipping into the um the the real world category Andrew that is not something you should fucking write in there and I'm not even joking so tread cautiously that's all I'm saying that's all I'm saying anyway that wraps up the um wrestling segment for this week let's talk some video games In a bit of gaming news that should come as no surprise to anyone, uh, Batgirl is the next DLC character unveiled for Injustice. Obviously, the game's Twitter account confirmed the news shortly after there was a glitch on Xbox Live that allowed Season Pass holders to access the Batgirl screen. So there you go. The cat is out of the bag. The first DLC character was Lobo, which debuted on Tuesday. So I will say this. Bad girl being added to the game. It's cool. You know, I saw the gameplay footage. I shared it on um, our Facebook fan page, and it was cool. But I will say this. When you look at the cast of characters or the roster for that game, it's pretty much, um, it, you know, it's pretty much Batman and friends. Uh, 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 there's way too huge of a majority of characters that are all Batman characters. Now, again... I'm sure they're going to switch it up and they'll probably release a couple of other ones. But think about it. Batman, Nightwing, Harlequin, Joker, Batgirl, Solomon Grundy, not so much. Catwoman, supposedly Zod is going to be the ne- a, a DLC character. And look, I, d- I don't care because whatever, it is what it is. And if you're a season pass holder... Um, Grundy, Grundy alternates though. Slick brought up, Grundy is a Batman villain, but he's also a a Green Lantern villain, especially if you read a lot of Golden Age shit. And he's a Green Arrow villain, so he's kind of gray, but it's true. If you want to factor him into a cast of Batman villains, you're right. He falls under there, Bane, Catwoman, blah, blah, blah. You know, I will say this. When you look at, when you look at this game, and this has been a gripe for, for a lot of people. It's each character, you have a, a, a hero and a villain. 
for each one, and, and that's fine. You know, obviously, Batman, you got to have the Joker. Um, Catwoman's okay, because whatever, people like to play as her, that's fine. But you give Wonder Woman Ares, which is fine, but you could have given her Cheetah as well. In the case of Aquaman, Aquaman has practically nobody. You know, like I've said, you could have given him Ocean Master. You could have given him Black Manta, which would have been badass. Black Manta would have been awesome for for Aquaman. You know, you could have given him the Gorton's Fisherman. Um, I I kid, I kid, I kid. Um, it's true. Even Deathstroke kind of falls into the Batman villain category, but it's true. I mean, if you're gonna put Batman, Batgirl, Nightwing. You could have put Damian Wayne Robin in there, especially if he died. Um, Bizarro would have been good. Thank you, Waffles, for Superman. Because, uh, you know, you got Lex and Doomsday, which is cool, but Bizarro would have been fun. Uh, Mr. Mitzelplik would have been cool. Even if you want to do a Bizarro skin for Superman, you could do that. And then what would happen was you do a Bizarro skin for Superman and all his moves are in reverse. That would be, that, at least then you're, you're kind of thinking outside of the box a little bit. And it would be it would be cool. It would be different. I'd like to have seen, like I said, Mr. Mitzelplik would have been cool. Um, you know, you could have had some crazy stuff like that. Had a little fun with that. Uh, you could have done Maxima, who's another Superman villain. Quark is right. Killer Frost is a waste of space because it's basically Sub-Zero. And if you're going to have her in there, you could have put Firestorm in there. She He would have been a great hero to go there. And, and here's a crazy one, and a lot of people probably don't think about it. Plastic Man would have been a cool villain. Plast- I mean, c- cool villain. He would have been a cool addition to the game. Plastic Man, I think you, people would have had a lot of fun with that. And it, and it would have been a character that you don't see in games a lot. Like That's the thing. Like We've all seen Batman and Catwoman and the Joker and all these characters in games. But like Plastic Man, Martian Manhunter, Gorilla Grodd. Dark side, yeah, Dark Side you could have done, but at least we got to play as Dark Side in DC versus Mortal Kombat, which, you know, regardless whether you love or hate the game, you got to use Dark Side, but at least if you're if you're thinking outside of the box, you could have used so many other DC characters that would have been, you know, Blue Beetle, Booster Gold. Um I would have liked to seen Gorilla Grodd in there with uh Grundy, uh Reverse Flash, you know, Professor Zoom, you you could have done so many other characters instead of just not recycling, but kind of just making it a bulk of Batman characters and then kind of making them gray enough that they could be villains for other characters. Sinestro is in there, Slick. He is, um, he's in there for G with GL. So, but I would have taken a uh, Red Lantern, um, a Atrot- a Atrot- a Trot- a I think is how you pronounce his name. It's been a while. So, you know the the roster additions are suspect, and what they're saying is that they're they're allegedly going to put Scorpion as a DLC for this game. So I'm sure it's going to piss a lot of people off if you're going to do Scorpion in 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 this game. But what what do you expect? Nether Realm pretty much sold DC on this, and they're just going to be like, yeah, we're just going to throw uh, Mortal. You know, we're going to throw Scorpion in there just cause, just cause we don't give a shit. Anyway, the bulk of the gaming news for this week are the are pretty much all the companies shitting on the Wii, and I'll tell you why. Eurogamer reports that EA is not going to be releasing Madden NFL 25 on the Wii U. Big fucking whoop-de-doo. Besides that, Crisis 3 was canceled on the Wii U as well, 
And any games utilizing the Frostbite 3 engine will not be coming to the Wii U because the system just can't support it. That means that no Madden, no Crisis, nothing with the Frostbite 3 engine, and that also means that the Wii U will not be receiving ports of Mass Effect 4, Battlefield 4, or Dragon Age 3, which are all going to be using Frostbite. So, for all intents and purposes, you got the Wii to play Mario games, um, Zelda, Donkey Kong, Metroid, the occasional third-party game that they feel like tossing to the Wii, but if you are a fan of any of these EA franchises, guess what? You're fucked. So I suggest you invest in either a PS3 or a 360 because those of you that have a Wii U will not be getting any of these games. And the problem with this isn't so much that you're not getting these games. It's the fact that when the Wii U was announced, you know, everybody was talking about EA and all these great companies. And we're in great partners in great, you know, partner relationships with all these tremendous third party companies that are just going to put out all these great games on the Wii U that you guys are going to be able to play. You know what's quickly happening? The Wii U is becoming a fucking paperweight to play retro games and the occasional first party titles. It is uh it is some it is a sad state of affairs. It really is. Because the Wii really tried the Wii U, I should say, really tried to to move things forward. But you know what happened? The party was short-lived when Sony said, "Hey, check this out. The PlayStation 4 is just going to kill everything." And we still got Xbox on the horizon. By the time both of those systems come out. The Wii U is going to be the equivalent of fucking ColecoVision at that point. It's a sad state of affairs for Nintendo. I'm I'm serious. Um, I don't know. But I do know that Slick is on the line and he has something to add to it. So let me bring him on real quick. Slick, what do you got, my friend? What's up, man? Dude. The... This Wii situation is just heartbreaking, not because EA refuses to release roster update 25 on there, but because anybody who bought that system with the intent of playing, you know, Battlefield or some of that stuff and getting getting the opportunity to use the second screen and all that shit, they just pretty much were told to go fuck themselves. Thoughts? Well, I mean, I, I guess I'm thankful that I don't give a shit about any of those games. I mean, even the good ones, like Mass Effect and Dragon Age. But I mean, it, it is sad that a lot of games will miss the Wii U just because there's a lot of opportunities for innovative gameplay using that second screen. That's what I'm saying. Second screen is the way to go. It's like, it's like with, with, with games like Battlefield and stuff like that where you need those kind of maps and all that stuff, it, it's, it's a no-brainer. Unfortunately, the, the system is just... It's, how does an iPod have like more power than a Wii U? I'm, I'm being facetious, of course, but seriously, it's like, what did Nintendo think? That because you're giving me the second screen, that that's where it's going to end? It's like my our PlayStations can run missile guidance systems for the military. But I'm supposed to be excited because you have, you know, a, a system composed of four Ouyas and a power strip. Come on. Yeah, I was just putting my head down when I was hearing some of this Wii U news because it's like 
again, once again, the system has Thomas, and it's just going to be overlooked once again. Well, here's something that kind of ties into that. The um, To answer your question, Waffles, yeah, the caller number is still the blog talk one. You can call in. To, to look at it this way also, Disney now, you know, gave the Star Wars license to EA. So, you know, Lego Star Wars and all that shit that everybody loved, guess where it may not come? To the Wii U. Well, Lego Star Wars, if there are any more games, wouldn't be handled by EA. That's done by um, TT Fusion, the people that did uh, Lego City Undercover. Right, but look at it this way. Disney's going to want to probably continue that because they can get the kids on board. You think that you think that they're going to want to get continue to have that licensed out to another company that's not EA considering EA has the 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 entire license? Well, I think I have an answer for that considering ahead, shoot. Disney also owns Marvel and there is a Lego Avengers game in the works. And it's being made by TT Fusion. Ah, well, then then there you go. Then the Lego universe is saved. <laughs> but that's about it. Well, think about this. If they put out any kind of RPG for Star Wars, which people will love, it's not happening. Not The, the Wii is just in the dark. Yeah, but if they put out any kind of Star Wars game, I won't give a fuck because it's EA. After the shit they handed me with SimCity, EA can go suck a dick. Well, you know, they're going to put out a new Sims game, too. And I'm not touching it. (laughs) There you have it. I know you also wanted to touch on the PS4, so let's hear it. Well, I mean, there's rumors going around that some Japanese newspaper leaked the the price point for the, the system, saying that it would be... I forgot what they said in euros, but it would be equivalent to about $429 in the U.S. Not too bad. I mean, wouldn't be too bad considering the last one was 600 Very true. I'll take 429 I mean, four, think of it like this. You go and you buy an iPad, and, um, you know, it's three ninety nine, and you, you get, you know, you, you get gaming, you get all that stuff, and... I kind of want to say it falls in the same realm because you're getting a complete entertainment experience for that 429. You're eliminating the necessity for a Blu-ray player. You don't need any sort of a Roku box. You don't need any sort of streaming because it's all going to come bundled in. So for that price, it's not too bad. And I'm sure that 429 will be one of the many sweet spots that the system is going to try to touch. Well, it's like, um, what do you call it? I, I'm kind of shocked that, it, you know, the price would go down, but not so much in the sense that, you know, last last go around, that was a big sticking point why, why people weren't buying it. Yep. And, you know, it, it didn't make sense to me because people will freaking drop the money on an iPad, but not on a freaking home console that, you know, does all that it does. But I always use the disclaimer for the PS4. Not, not that I'm, you know, having second thoughts about it, but just because it's not out, I always use a disclaimer, if it does everything that, you know, was boasted in the press conference, then, you know, it's worth at least 429 or more. I agree. Because, again, you know it'll play Blu-rays. 
even without the backwards compatibility, I mean, the the average person who will run out and buy a PS4 still has a functioning PS3. And if they were smart, they have a launch PS3, which means they have their backwards compatibility. So, I mean, I mean, at least to me, I couldn't care less if the PS4 has backwards compatibility because I can still play PS1 games on my PS3. So can I. I just can't play the ones that are, you know, burned. Uh, my Take Radio doesn't acknowledge piracy of any sort. Um, oh, shit. Oh, sorry. sorry. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. But um, it, it's weird. I mean, with, with you know, with the EA situation, the Wii U, and the PlayStation 4, the fact is that the PlayStation 4, Xbox Infinity, or 720, or, you know, Steve Ballmer's butt sack, whatever it is, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be pretty much the gold standard for console gaming for another, I'd like to say, 10 years. Let's give it a 10-year shelf life. So when you look at this stuff, you got to realize, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, over the last few years when somebody says to you, hey, this system's going to be 400 bucks, 10 years ago people were like, yo, man, that's a lot of money. Now people are like, eh, that's not so bad. You get what I'm saying? Like, it's just an, uh, an an evolution and an acceptance of price points like that because people are still buying the shit. My thing is, when the, in, in two, what was it, 2005 or whenever they announced the price of the PS3, they said, you know, there's the, the bullshit one, which let's call it what it is. The bullshit one was 500 and the, the good one was 600. And people started flipping out. I'm like, that that shows me right there who's a gamer and who's like, not. Oh shit! Hold on a second. That that shows because me. My thing is, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, it was uh, a window open by mistake and started echoing. Go ahead. No, I was saying my thing is anybody who's a real gamer and has been, you know, since video games started, first of all, has a job. Or should. Second of all, remember this little thing called the Neo Geo Home Console, which retails for seven hundred dollars, and the cartridges were two hundred dollars a piece. Yep. Because they were exact ports of the arcade game, and in some cases, you know, you even put your freaking memory card in the arcade cabinet and continue your game out in the arcade. Which this is at true. The time, you know, even now would be amazing, but considering our case are dead. But um, I mean, if you put that console out now with inflation, that thing would cost like well over a thousand dollars. This is true, and people were buying Neo Geo back then too. I mean, but but what I'm saying is that the acceptance in terms of price points has evolved so much over the years. Like, let's think about this. Um, you go and you, you bought a cell phone back in the day, back in the day, 150 bucks was a lot for a phone. Now it's like, Oh, I cracked my iPhone screen. I'll go buy a new one. Like nothing. I mean, yeah, there's Apple care and all that shit, but I'm just talking about in general. You know what I mean? Like the acceptance for things being in the three, $400, $500 range 
people people are just kind of cool with it now, which is weird. Am I wrong? You're not wrong. That's that's what really, I guess, you know, it kind of burned my ass about the bitching over the PS3. Yep. Because there was plenty of other shit that didn't do half of what the PS3 did that cost as much or more back then, and people were putting the money out for it. Granted, we were in a shitty economy. We're still in a shitty economy. But you motherfuckers were still paying for other shit that didn't do half of what the PS4, PS3 did. But that's the thing, too. Running out and buying TVs that, you know, you might as well have a PS3 for. Yep. I think I think just the acceptance of, of certain price points has become the norm. You know, I mean, I mean, Val said in the chat, it's like, it's like, yo, you tell somebody sometimes, hey, this thing will cost you 600 bucks. They'll be like, uh, okay. Even, even now my, my wife got an iPhone with T-Mobile. T-Mobile did away with upgrades. So basically what happens is now when you buy a phone, you walk in and you say, oh, I want to buy this phone. And instead of waiting two years, they say, depending on what phone you want, they'll be like, give us a hundred bucks. We'll tack on 20 bucks to your bill. For 20 months. So, yeah, kind of in essence, you're, uh, you're, you're locked into a contract, but you're not. Because if you say, damn, I want to upgrade my phone in a year, you tell T-Mobile, hey, I want to upgrade my phone. They go, well, you have a balance of X. You sell your old phone, you pay off the balance, and then you get another phone and you start from scratch. 100 bucks, and then you still, there's the, the, the lock-in of, of having to pay $600 or $500 out of the gate is becoming a thing of the past. But you know what? If somebody wants to buy the phone, it's like, yeah, it's five seventy nine, And you know how many people just don't bat an eyelash? I saw a guy, he walked in. They said, oh, you know, if you want to buy the iPhone and you don't want to get on the payment plan, it's five seventy nine. And the guy's like, oh, well, that's still cheaper than the Apple store. And he, he just whipped out $579 and bought the shit. Fucking madness. But that's what I'm saying. Like, not even blinking. You don't even flinch. I had to take out $200 to get my sewer cleaned. And it, and it felt like somebody was removing a testicle with a pair of pliers. And that's the thing. It's like, a lot of people are paying full price for phones just because they want to keep, like, grandfathered plans and shit right. like that. But it's like you're paying for a phone. Which undoubtedly, it doesn't matter how good the fucking phone is, within a year or two, you will want a new one. That's right. But like I said, it's it's just it's just the acceptance of these price points. That's why when you say, yo, the PS4 is going to be four hundred and twenty nine dollars. It's like people are going to be like, no problem. (laughs) You know, they're going to be like, no problem. You know who's going to be screwed? The guy who says, I'm going to trade my PS3 for a PS4 and GameStop goes 10 bucks, please. I don't see why anybody would trade their PS3 for a PS4. Some people do. Some people have, some people said, well, you know what it is? We are, we, we still have launch consoles that play older games. But do you think that the guy that has just a regular slim that just plays regular PS3 shit is going to care? He's just going to be like, all right. Here you go. But even there, remember, they said it themselves, out of the box, the PS4 will not play PS3 games. 
This is true, but think about this. A lot of these guys that are buying these new systems, yeah, they may want to play the old shit, but if you're buying a new system, you want to play new shit. Like, yeah, you might dust off the occasional game that you might be like, eh, yeah, you know, I want to kind of play this, but I'm talking about you buy it and you're like, I'm not going to play that. Because <laughs> my thing is, even if I get a Slim, even if I had a Slim instead of a launch PS3, I have two TVs in the house. Right. I would put the PS3, which I plan to do anyway, put the PS3 on the older TV in the bedroom, use it, you know, primarily as a Blu-ray player, and to play old games occasionally. And, you know, to play with people who, you know, aren't the early adopters and still have the PS3 and have the PS4 on the brand new TV in the living room. Yep. Which, granted, both systems will have, like, 3D technology, Blu-ray, blah, blah, blah. But the PS4 would be more suited for a, a newer TV than an older one. True. Well, honestly... Honestly, and this is something that that's that's crazy because a, a few people have said the same thing. We're at a stage of the game where if you don't have a flat screen TV at this point, considering you could buy one for five dollars and, and and a Milky Way bar, there's there's a problem. We live in a, we live in a strange world where usually, like our our parents would say, back in my day, I could get blah 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 for a dollar. Yep. Meanwhile, like when we have kids, we're going to be telling them, well, a TV used to cost $1,500 and now it costs like 300 Well, here's, here's, a, here's a crazy thing, too. It's like we, you know, you go, you buy a TV and you spend X for it. The, the funny thing about it is that the TVs now are becoming just so future proof that when you buy a TV, you may keep that TV 10 years because they'll just update the TV via software updates. That's the crazy shit. That's if you do that shit on the TV, like Netflix and stuff like that. Yep. The TV itself, just as a television, just as watching TV and freaking watching movies, they're, they're made so well now that they do last a long time. Versus when HDTV first came out, they burned out in a couple of years. Yep. The technology's gotten so much better, and it's getting so much cheaper. It's like you could walk in now and buy a plasma TV for $300. And, you know, 600 hertz, beautiful black levels, tremendous. The odds of burning are probably maybe in in the scant 10% range. It's just it's just a crazy evolution where the value of money is just it's just sad. It is what it is. There you go. When when you can actually get a decent and when I say decent I mean something that's not like bargain bin television at freaking Walmart or BJ. That's saying something. Dude, you know this, and, and, I, and I'll share this with the audience. I upgraded my TV recently. I went from a 40-inch, sharp, um, you know, 4 millisecond, 1080p TV, 120 hertz. I upgraded to a Sony 46-inch, um, 240 hertz native 
uh, motion flows to 480, 3D, Netflix, Hulu, all that shit, plus it has two USB ports to charge two pairs of 3D glasses, and I got it for exactly $1,000. 1000 A 46-inch TV. TV has such a great picture, it makes Injustice look like it has good graphics. There you go. And this is because the motion flow, see... And and here's a, a quick tutorial for those of you that have, you know, that are that are in the market for a TV. 60 hertz is good. 120 hertz is better if you play a lot of video games. 240 hertz gives you that quote unquote soap opera effect. Depending on the game you play, it'll either make the game look really really good, or it'll just trip you out and 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 make you think that the game looks too fake. Same thing with Blu-rays. If you're watching Slick was here and we were watching what were we watching Transformers. You just like holy shit! It's just it looks so good, but it looks so fake that it just it just blows your mind. And the problem is that the technology is moving so far along that you know you have TVs now that they're they're in the 4K range, which you and I both can attest. We saw it in the Sony store. You know, it's an 80 inch television with 4K graphics, and they were showing Skyfall. The TV is seven. No, the TV was twenty five thousand dollars. You know this. And, and it's I was like, like, why the fuck would anybody pay this? When it, it's like the technology's not there right now. Right, but you know that twenty five thousand dollar TV is already down into like the fifteen or twelve thousand dollar range already. Basically, it's crazy. Anything else you want to add? Nah, I'm good for now. All right, my dude. I will catch you later. All right. Peace. I'm sure Slick will call back for the movie segment because we got some stuff in there. Uh, Waffles, I know you were in the the queue, but um, you hung up. So, yeah. Uh, Shout out to Waffles, though. He did win the Red vs. Blue DVD, which he got in the mail today. Super excited. He got to share it on Facebook. Shouting out MTR. Brung a tear to my eye. Made me feel good. So, uh, yeah. Congratulations, Senor Waffles, on your uh, DVD prize. Anyway. Uh, gaming news. So Capcom made a decent amount of money. Uh, they put out their fiscal year earnings. They made a nice chunk of change, but it wasn't because of Resident Evil 6. They announced that they sold 4.9 million units since the game's launch, and that, that number has plateaued. According to them, the game did not meet their projections. Meanwhile, Dragon's Dogma was become a greater-than-expected hit on the domestic market and it had a high profitability rate. So there you go. Overall sales for Capcom games were up 14% for the year to a tone of $950 million, but their net income was down 30 million. That's a decrease of 56% from last year. EA's financials look good as well. Digital sales for them went up 22% to get to yield $108 million. Their overall revenue for the company is $1.2 billion. But check this out. That is actually down from $1.3 billion during the same quarter last year. Oh my God, it's still in the billions. We're, we're panicking. Anyway, the, year for the, comp- the fiscal year for the company ended with them having $3.7 billion in net revenue, while the previous year brought them in $4.1 billion. But 
you got to take into consideration that some of the games were not as well received as you would have liked and not for nothing their next fiscal year earnings are not going to be as good and I'll tell you why Battle 3 Battlefield 3 had 3.5 million subscribers it earned them 120 million dollars SimCity sales topped at 1.6 million half of that came from online purchases but in terms of fiscal year earnings they're they they have a very light lineup no Tiger Woods no UFC till fiscal year 2014 but between this year and March of next year they still have 11 games set to launch so they're going to lose money because Tiger Woods has a huge huge market and um UFC you know the the UFC jumping to EA there's a lot of people really keeping an eye on that but Tiger Woods has a huge fan base same thing with FIFA which a lot of people are looking forward to, and they're saying that they're going to be bringing back NBA Live. So they're going to be unveiling that for next-gen consoles. It's going to use a brand-new engine, and they'll showcase it at E3. Now, if that's going to be one of the 11 games for launch, it should definitely give them a bit of a bump. But I will say this. It's going to be an uphill battle for NBA Live, considering that NBA 2K has ruled the roost for quite some time. So we shall see what happens with regards to that. Well... That actually is going to wrap up the gaming news for this week. We're going to head right into entertainment news because there's quite a bit of stuff to discuss there as well. Either the Monster Energy is working better than it should, or I'm just extremely thirsty since I just finished two liters of White Rock Seltzer water. (laughs) Thought I'd share that with you guys. Anyway, let's get into some entertainment news. First things up, Men in Black. You thought that Men in Black 3 would close out the franchise? You were fucking wrong. (laughs) Men in Black 4 is on the horizon, ladies and gents. Um, It's obviously assumed that Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones will come back. I think at this point, Tommy Lee Jones will need to get suspenders to hold his skin up, considering he is fucking ancient. Um, Obviously, it's not unexpected since Men in Black 3 brought in $624 million worldwide, which is a a, a tremendous profit for them. And uh, there you have it. Men in Black 4 is coming for that ass. Meanwhile, in some other sequel news, there was a huge casting change for Despicable Me 2. If you guys remember a couple of episodes back, I mentioned that um, Al Pacino was going to be the villain. But it turns out that Al Pacino left the project due to creative differences. Now Benjamin Bratt will be stepping in his place and probably getting paid a fuckload less money to play the lead villain, El Macho. So there you have it, a casting change for Despicable Me 2, which is expected to be in theaters July 3rd, so that's cutting it kind of close. Strider says, here comes the black man in black. I'm figuring that Men in Black 4 should have Rip PD, or Rest in Peace PD, and the Men in Black in one movie, fighting aliens and ghosts at the same time. That way, everybody's happy. So, switching gears from sequel news, you guys know that I've talked about the Crow reboot a dozen times on different episodes. And every time I've talked about it, there's been a different guy that's going to be playing the crow. Originally, James McAvoy, 
Then we went to Alexander Skarsgård. Then we went to Tom Hiddleston, Tom Hiddleston, who I mentioned uh, two weeks ago. Last week, I said that it was going to be Luke Evans. Well, now it seems that Luke Evans is officially on board. Right now, he's working on Dracula Year Zero. Plus, he's working on The Hobbit, Desolation of Smog. Plus, he did uh, Fast and Furious 6, but he will be doing The Crow. He actually did an interview about it. He said he's a big fan of the first film, and he's going to try and do it justice, but he's going to make sure to have his own unique spin on it. So, there you have it. We have a new Crow officially, and that Crow is Luke Evans. There you have it. So, box office-wise, it should not even be a shocker that Iron Man 3 Murder Death killed the entire box office, earning $175 million. Um, Mind you, that's only opening weekend. Pain and Gain was number two with $7.6 million. 42 was number three. Oblivion was four. The Croods was number five. The Big Wedding was number six. Mud was seven. Oz the Great and Powerful was eight. Scary Movie 5 was 9, and The Place Beyond the Pines was 10. So, let's talk about Iron Man 3, shall we? And I'm looking at the clock because I see it's 1.30, but I think it shouldn't be something that's going to run too long. But, as many of you know, if you've been on MyTakeRadio.com within the last couple of days, you guys know that I went to see Iron Man 3. Now, I didn't go to see it in IMAX 3D, number one, because when I got there, there were only 90 seats in the theater, and this particular theater has stadium seating, which means you will be sitting in the front row looking up as if you were looking at a mountain. So, no, that didn't happen. Didn't watch it in 3D either because I heard that the 3D was a waste of time. I ended up just watching it in regular, regular edition. And, of course, it wouldn't be a trip to the movies without some problems. So, I figured I'd share that with you. We get to the theater. We sit down. We got there about uh, half an hour early. Got some good seats. People came in, sat behind us, huge crowd, and then it wasn't like they sat down and they were like, you know, hey, we're, you know, we're ready for the movie. They were like, hey, what do you think? This movie's going to be fucking awesome, right? Yes, you're speaking with your outside voice inside the theater. So we took that opportunity to get up and go and buy our popcorn and our drink. So we came back and yes, I sat in the handicapped seats. A, because there were no handicapped people there. B, it was two solitary seats by themselves in the front. So we sat there, and this guy decided that Iron Man 3 on opening weekend would be a great time for me to bring my six-year-old kids to see the movie. So, as we sat there, we had a reasonable distance between us. But here's where the it gets fun. Guy's sitting there watching the movie, and he's telling his kid loudly... So yeah, in this movie, Iron Man is going to fight the bad guy, the Mandarin, who you should see in a few minutes, and War Machine isn't War Machine in this movie. War Machine is going to be Iron Patriot. His armor looks like Captain America. And the little kid's like, but why? Well, because they wanted to do it because they wanted War Machine to be nice. So they figured we could call him Iron Patriot. I kid you not. This is the exact conversation. So, mind you, we're all hearing this, but I hear it in the back of my ear, but not to the point where it's a distraction. But it'd be like, the Mandarin is the bad guy. See, and Pepper Potts, the redheaded lady, she's his girlfriend. Now, imagine hearing that for the entire 160 minutes 
of that of that film. Think about that. But it gets better. So then the kids were sitting on booster seats because clearly they were fucking six. So now if you've been to a theater or a restaurant, you know that the booster seats, and I'm sure if Colm is in the chat, he can vouch for this. The booster seats are made of plastic. So the kid decided at the halfway point of the movie for about 15 minutes straight to do this. You see how annoying that is? That's because the kid was banging his foot into said rubber seat for about 15 minutes. Thank you, plastic. Thank you, Colm. So yeah, kid's banging his foot into the plastic. This old guy, who you could tell was a hardcore comic geek because he really looked like the comic guy from The Simpsons, he's like, do you mind? Can you be quiet? And it's like you would think the father would be like, hey, you know, shut up. Like, don't do that. Oh, no, he just sat there. And he let and he let the kid legit rock his kick his seat until like a dude about two rows up went, yo, can you cut that shit out? And then the kid stopped. So, again, it was a distraction. But I will tell you guys, had I sat in that section on the upper deck instead of in the single two seats, I would slick would probably be doing the show this week because he would have had to have saved up money to bail me out of jail. Because it, it, I have no problem. I, you're talking to a guy who a ki- an annoying kid was running around the store and I legit shoulder checked him into a pile of toilet paper in a Target. And this kid was probably like nine running around being an ass of himself. And I legit tripped him for him to fall into a pile of toilet paper in an end cap in Target. I don't give a shit. I was raised differently. Don't raise your kids like fucking savages because they will be treated as such. I, I kid you not. I kid you not. And, and I'm bad. My wife is just as bad because it's like, think about it. You pay this money to go to the theater. Uh, it's not like you're paying $9. You're paying 12 15 plus concessions. So by the time you're done, you spent about $40 to go to see this movie. To hear a kid wrecking his feet on a on a plastic uh, booster seat and the parent doing nothing now the comedy in that is that as soon as that movie was over that guy grabbed his kids and he said oh we gotta go he didn't even stay for after the credits he didn't even stay because he knew he knew that somebody was probably gonna whoop his ass or throw him down the stairs but i will tell you this and if you haven't seen iron man 3 i tell you as always with all marvel films stay after the credits so after the movie was over and they show the credit, you know, the after credit scene, this guy, I kid you not, he goes, really? That's what I sat here for? Really? This is bullshit. I'm like, dude, you're really mad at an after credit scene? Now, the reason I share that with you is because this is the general consensus for Iron Man 3 as a whole. It either made you really happy to see, really angry or disappointment. And I'll tell you guys why without spoiling it because read the review there is a spoiler in there, but Tony Stark and Iron Man 3 had a complete upgrade in terms of being a douchebag. You thought he was a dick in Iron Man 2? You think he was a douchebag in the Avengers? Ho ho ho. In Iron Man 3 he was batting 1000 on the douche meter. He was t- he took douche to another level. It was like he had a he took a senzu bean of douchiness. It was ridiculous. 
And you know what the problem is? If you've seen Shane Black's movies, that's what he does. You know, Last Boy Scout and, of course, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang with Robert Downey Jr., which Iron Man 3 is pretty much, you know, Kiss Kiss Clang Clang at this point because it was straight up Robert Downey clowning people from start to finish. Straight douchebag status. Kids talking about that his dad abandoned him. He's like, eh, whatever, your kid abandoned you. I need a tuna fish sandwich and you to get me a phone. I'm waiting on that tuna fish sandwich. I don't care about your pops. Like, that's the kind of douchebagginess it was. You know how I said at the at the, at the the start of the show how, you know, I, I, I laugh at my my uh, my biological mother's misfortune? Uh, that was pretty much Tony Stark. Tony Stark was super douche mode. And again, some people may thought that it was a little off-putting. Others thought that it was amazing. But what I didn't like, what bothered me, was the fact that the, the Avengers... I, I thought it was great, Val, but I think that some people just thought it was too heavy-handed. But with regards to, like, the Avengers, people just felt that the Avengers wasn't really acknowledged. And, and what I'm saying is that it was never acknowledged by name. The Hulk and those guys were never acknowledged by name. Like, it was like, yeah, the when the when the guy fell from the sky with the hammer, or the events in New York, or, you know, a, a, a time-displaced soldier. Like, it wasn't like they... And I don't understand what if it was that a uh, tactical thing or something, but it kind of just bugged me that they didn't acknowledge it. Like, oh, you know, like when Thor's hammer and shit, like it just felt weird. And I just felt like they were trying to differentiate it, even though it's part of the same universe. And again, that's not a gripe. It was just a, an observation I noticed. Also, uh, the Mandarin. I'm not going to say nothing about the Mandarin because... It's uh, it's not what you'd expect. I'll just leave it at that. I will say that Guy Pierce's Aldrich Killian character was amazing. He was very, very good. I also like the dynamic between Rhodey and Tony Stark in this movie. Because again, if you've seen movies like The Last Boy Scout, Long Kiss Goodnight, etc., etc., um, you know, things like that, you'd understand Shane Black's use of chemistry like that like Rhodey and 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 Robert Downey were kind of like without the cursing like Bruce Willis and Damon Wayans in Last Boy Scout like they had that kind of a of a relationship um you know what it is and um I'm gonna acknowledge what Val said Val said what happened with the Mandarin made sense the other the other way would have been hella bad yes and no um, I understand why they did it, but um, I think that there could have been a better way to do it. And, and I'll tell you what it is off air or I'll message it to you. I just, I just think that like for those of us that were comic book purists, it was like, fuck. But for everybody else, they, they didn't care. But I will say this. Um, when we were walking out of the theater, people were complaining about the villains that we've seen in Iron Man's in the three Iron Man movies. And I'm going to, and I'm going to say this to you, to you guys, for those of you that bitch about Iron Man's villains, please do yourselves a favor and go to Wikipedia and punch in Iron Man and look at his villains. You have molten man. You have the only villains that are a legit threat to Iron Man are the ones in the movies, excluding Fing Fang Foom. Everybody else is shit. I kid you not. Everybody else is complete shit. So to have a movie with, with 
come on. And that's the thing that irks me. Like people, people complain about, like I complain about certain plot elements and things like that because whatever, that's the comic fan in me. Plus it's my job. You know, this is what I do for the show and to write the review. But what I'm talking about is let's, 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 let's look at Iron Man. I pulled up Wikipedia. Let's look at Iron Man's villains. And I'm going to read you the names of some of these guys. Arsenal, Blizzard, Camestro, Cold Blood, who appeared in the movie, Controller, Crimson Dynamo, who pretty much they put him and Whiplash together for Iron Man 2, Detroit Steel, I kid you not, that's a bad guy, Detroit Steel, Dread Knight, Edwin Cord, Fing Fang Foom, Firebrand, Firepower, Fixer, Freak, Ghost, Justin Hammer, Justine Hammer, Sasha Hammer, clearly MC Hammer's whole family, The Ironmonger, Kirsten DeWitt, Killer Shrike, Living Laser, Madam Mask, Malin the Mandarin, Mauler, Melter, Mordecai Midas, Modoc, Raiders, the Spy Master, Sunset Bane, Sunchurian, Temujin, who is the son of um, the Mandarin, Titanium Man, Ultimo, he has a villain named Unicorn. Iron Man has a villain named Unicorn. Whiplash, Vibro, which sounds like the name of a sex toy that you could pick up on 42nd, Whirlwind, Whirlwind, Wong Chu, and Zeke Stain, who of course is the son of Obadiah Stain. So, think about it. Think of all these villains. Would you have given a fuck if Iron Man fought Arsenal, Blizzard, Detroit Steel and Unicorn. No. Would you care that Iron Man fights Crimson Dynamo and Whiplash? Sure. Mandarin? No problem. Ironmonger? No problem. Cold Blood appeared in Iron Man 3. He is the henchman of Aldrich Killian. So there you go. All bad guys. That actually work. And so people people complain like, oh man, they should make an Iron Man 4. Who is he fighting? It's got to be Fing Fang Foom. Like, like, give me something. Who else is he going to fight? Obadiah Stane's son? Maybe. Maybe MODOK? Imagine MODOK in like a real movie. I don't even know if I could take that shit seriously. But that's what I'm saying. Like, look, you made three Iron Man movies... The ending was what it was. Leave it at that. You know, that's it. Leave it at that. (laughs) Strider says they sound like filler villains, like the Brooklyn brawler of WWF. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Arsenal, Blizzard, Camistro. And if you don't believe me, look up Iron Man on Wikipedia and read his enemies and then click on each one so you can see how lame they were, how lame they look. It's just terrible. It's completely terrible. Justin Hammer, I can deal with. The only thing you can do with Iron Man at this point is exactly what they want to do. Have him pop up in the Avengers. Have him pop up in other movies. Maybe Guardians of the Galaxy. Who knows? But standalone Iron Man movies with this rogues gallery of fucking fuckwits, it's not going to work. It's not. Simple as that. Anyway, if you want to learn more about Iron Man 3 and my thoughts on it, make sure to check out the review on MyTakeRadio.com. In some other sequel news, Tom Cruise is going back to Mission Impossible with a fifth one at that. Um, 
right now it looks like Christopher McQuarrie, who wrote and directed Jack Reacher, may be doing Mission Impossible 5. So there you have it. Tom Cruise returning back to the franchise that made him a shitload of money. No word yet on whether Grumpy Cat, Jeremy Renner, uh, Simon Pegg, Paula Patton, Ving Rhames, or any of the other characters would be coming back. I tell you what, Jeremy Renner is doing nothing other than playing Hawkeye and possibly carrying Robert Downey Jr.'s baggage. He is doing nothing. So Grumpy Cat better strap on his suit and his fake faces and go do another Mission Impossible because he got nothing else going on. So we got to have some what the fuck movie news this week. I'm sure many of you know the cult classic movie, I Spit on Your Grave. If you don't, make sure to find it because for its time, it was incredibly fucked up. Anyway, they did a sequel for it. I mean, they did a remake for I Spit on Your Grave, which wasn't as well received, but it was all right. Anyway, we're going to get a sequel to the I Spit on Your Grave remake. I kid you not. So we got a remake to a classic film that now the sequel is getting a remake as well. Just absorb that. There you go. Don't even talk about Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters 2 Strider. Don't even do it. Don't. Don't because I I went into a whole big thing with that. (laughs) But seriously, a sequel to I Spit on Your Grave's remake and the remake wasn't even that good. Like, I Spit on Your Grave is the equivalent of uh, Cannibal Holocaust or Zombie, Z-O-M-B-I, by uh, Lucio Fulci. You know, movies like that, that you watch, you know, late night Friday with a couple of your boys. Maybe you're a little hammered. If you're a pothead, maybe you're stoned. That's where those movies fall in. You don't consciously wake up and say, you know, I want to see I Spit on Your Grave today. Doesn't happen. No. Doesn't. You watch I Spit on Your Grave at 2 a.m. when you're bored or you're running out of shit to watch on your Netflix queue. You don't volunteer to go watch it, and you sure as fuck don't watch the sequel. You don't. Not for nothing, the remake, you want to hear something crazy? The remake of I Spit on Your Grave was 39% rotten on Rotten Tomatoes. I'm just saying. 39% on Rotten Tomatoes. Just so you know. Anyway. So. If it wasn't bad enough. You guys all know the Dungeons and Dragons movies. You all know how terrible they were. With the Wayans brothers. And Justin Whalen And um. What's his name? Who was the. Who, who played Scar in the Lion King? Jeremy Irons. Getting a paycheck. Well. Deadline reports that Warner Brothers. Reacquired the rights. To Dungeons and Dragons. It looks like they will be releasing a new film with a script written by Frank Darabont protege David Leslie Johnson, who did Wrath of the Titans and Red Riding Hood. So there you have it. We are getting brand new Dungeons and Dragons movies. I don't know about that. Last time I checked, the best Dungeons and Dragons movies were called Harry Potter. Just saying. So... We talked about Marvel movies at the start of the segment, and we were talking about Robert Downey Jr. and Iron Man 3 and blah, blah, blah. Well, it seems that there are big, big problems, and I'll tell you what those problems are. Robert Downey Jr. for The Avengers made $50 million. $50 million. Meanwhile, the rest of his cast members made, you know, 200000 300000 blah, 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 blah. And they're pretty pissed. 
because they want to get paid serious money. So Deadline reports that, you know, the Avengers 2, a lot of the cast members are looking for bigger paydays, especially when the first film became the third highest grossing movie of all time behind Avatar and Titanic. As of right now, a lot of the cast members haven't even re-signed. And, you know, we know Marvel very well. They don't like being held hostage. See Terrence Howard, who, as we all know, was recast. You know, Sam Jackson and Mickey Rourke complained about their pay as well. A lot of the issues stem from upfront pay, back-end compensation, break-even points, and box office bonuses. Now, think about this. A lot of the cast members were pissed off because they only made $200,000. Robert Downey Jr. made $50 million. So, Robert Downey Jr., since he realized, hey man, it's fucked up that these guys aren't making this money, he's actually advocating for the rest of the cast to get paid money. Robert Downey Jr.'s contract expired with Iron Man 3. And he said that he is renegotiating for Avengers 2, but he's not even talking about doing another Iron Man. And not for nothing, his his star power is what he's using as leverage. Nikki Fink from Deadline said, I've learned Marvel already has threatened to sue or recast when contracts or options are challenged. That prompted a few cast members to respond, go ahead. Nikki Fink said, Chris Hemsworth especially wasn't anxious to go back and do the diet and training and live on on egg whites to do Thor The Dark World. Scarlett Johansson said, said that she's not going to cut her quote for Marvel's Avengers 2. So as of right now, Chris Hemsworth isn't signed. Chris Evans is signed because it's part of his original contract. So Avengers 2 is supposed to start filming in early 2014. Let's let's think about this for a second. Robert Downey Jr. made $50 million. Chris Hemsworth made Thor relevant. He did. Let's think rationally. What other big, giant, Nordic-looking guy can we recast Thor as? Just saying. Scarlett Johansson complaining about what she got paid for the Avengers. Let's be real. You can get any bad looking chick to play Black Widow. Like, let's not get ahead of ourselves. But like the core characters of the Avengers, Robert Downey Jr., Chris Hemsworth, Chris Evans, those guys should be paid. They are the main tentpole characters. Scarlett Johansson don't want to do it. Peace the fuck out. And you know Jeremy Renner's not complaining. He's ha- They're paying him in ramen, Axe body spray, and tank tops. So he doesn't give a shit. He's like, any- he's like, oh, you want me to do Avengers 3? No problem. Seriously. But Chris Hemsworth, he-, he, can- he can legit bitch because he made like $5 million doing um, Snow White and the Huntsman. So think about it. The guy's coming up from doing $5 million on Snow White and the Huntsman and coming back to do Avengers uh, Avengers 2 for you know half of you know for 100,000 200,000 300,000 dollars fuck you i can understand him being upset marvel really should not be cheap considering the amount of money they've made evans hemsworth and robert downey junior are the holy trinity of the avengers pay them what they're worth and it's cool that Robert Downey Jr. is stepping up and he's like, yo, you got to pay these guys. Because it's true, Robert Downey Jr. can sit back and be a douchebag and be like, yo, I made $50 million. Fuck you guys. But Robert Downey Jr. says it. I need these guys to make it work. 
The chemistry between them works. You think Mark Ruffalo got paid a fuckload of money? Mark Ruffalo got play, got paid in Twinkies, head and shoulders, and maybe a, a hundred grand tops. Why? Because Mark Ruffalo makes art movies where he probably makes a hundred thousand dollars, a hundred and fifty. Come on, think about it. Mark Ruffalo was the third Hulk, the third actor to play the Hulk, because. When Edward Norton, who was incredibly talented, tried to pull that shit, Marvel told him to go fuck himself. Eric Banner was like, look, I'm not doing this shit again. And you got to look at Chris, I mean, um, Chris Hemsworth's stand, stand on, excuse me, his stance on it. This guy has to diet, lift weights, and become super jacked. Oh no, woe is me. But the fact is that he's, he is Thor. Find me somebody else who can be Thor, and then we'll talk. Chris Evans, yeah, you can get any big, jacked-up-looking farm boy to play Captain America, but he makes it work. I do got to agree with Val, though. Mark Ruffalo doesn't beat Ed Norton as the Hulk, but Mark Ruffalo played a different kind of Bruce Banner. He did. He played, like, an awkward, kind of snarky Bruce Banner, which was cool. Ed Norton was, like, you know, he was more... uh, Michael Manna as Thor. There you go, Colm. There you go. No, but seriously, I mean, the Marvel needs to really cake out and pay those three guys what they're worth. Scarlett Johansson, shut up. Oh, you should pay me what? Because you were a low-cut bodysuit? You didn't even do anything. What? Because you had, hi, I am Natasha Romanoff. Shut up. Get out of here with your shit. The only people that should be holding holding them up for money are Sam Jackson, because because you need Nick Fury, and you can't make white Nick Fury now since you're doing Ultimate Black Guy Nick Fury. So you got to pay him, and you got to pay your three tentpole characters. Simple as that. You know, don't grandstand because you're gonna recast and it's gonna suck, especially if the chemistry doesn't work. If Robert Downey Jr. goes, really, you got. Alexander Skarsgård to play Thor. This guy's garbage. Seriously, just it just wouldn't work. Val says to recast Scarlett Johansson with Ronda Rousey as Black Widow. Not for nothing. If I were to recast, I'd make Gina Carano play Black Widow. She can do better fights. She looks better on screen. And she would work. And you could probably get away with paying her $200,000 because why not? Oh, you know who else could do it probably and not ask for a lot of money? Mila Kunis because she's Russian and she's kind of hot looking. So there you go. But seriously, Gina Carano, you could pay her, you know, you could pay her with some decent money. And as long as you can foot her, you know, her low cut T-shirts and her high heels, it's all good. It's all good. Gina Carano is Black Widow. Let's do it. Let's do this shit. In the words of uh, Tommy Tollhold. Seriously. Gina Carano is Black Widow. Scarlett Johansson, you want to hold people up for money? Get out of here. Every movie you've done, you play the same kind of chick. You know, boobs out. Not really super artistic. Let's not even talk about you in the island. Because in the island, you were shit. Out of here. Like, if anybody should be holding people up for money, it's it's, you know... The three guys. Waffle says that Mila Kunis couldn't do it because of her voice. Yeah, Meg Griffin as Black Widow may not work. But you got to think, if you got to do the Russian stuff, 
It would it would work. It would look good. I I just visualized Meg Griffin dressed as Black Widow, and my scrotum crawled up inside itself. I'm just saying. I'm not saying the island sucked, Colm. It didn't suck. I just felt that, you know, she was just there. Like, Ewan McGregor was the man. Ewan, I need Ewan McGregor to read me bedtime stories while um, Benedict Cumberbatch narrates my life and Morgan Freeman drives me to work every day and talks to me. Seriously. Really, Strider? Danny Glover as Nick Fury? Oh, come on. You know he's too old to do this shit. <laughs> Don't do it, man. Don't do it. Anyway, let's move things along. We got like nine minutes. Um, ah, other Marvel news. Phase three. They're looking to do movies with Doctor Strange, Iron Fist, Black Panther, and The Runaways. They also re- Marvel also reacquired their licenses for Blade, Ghost Rider, Power Man, and Daredevil. So there you go. We may get a Heroes for Hire movie with Power Man and Iron Fist, which wouldn't be a bad idea. Blade is back in the Marvel fold, and you know that Blade would not be an R-rated movie now that Disney's involved. But hey, you never know. Never know. Wow, really? The Allstate guy is Nick Fury? Come on, that's um, that's Serrano from Major League. I just visualized Nick Fury walking out with a big-ass Jobu statue and telling the Avengers, You see this shit? You put the chicken in front of this shit. And now you go out there and you fight aliens. Like, that's what... <laughs> All right, all right. I've I've lost it. I've officially lost it. Anyway, so last bit of Marvel movie news. The S.H.I.E.L.D. TV series is officially picked up by ABC, so be on the lookout for that. Kiefer Sutherland is coming back to 24. 24 will be getting a limited run. So there you go. You guys love Jack Bauer. You like Jack Bauer whooping people's ass. Well, you're going to get your wish as 24 comes back as a limited series in your small screen news for this week. So there you have it. The only other bit of news I got to share is that they are going to do sequels and prequels for Cabin Fever. Now, you guys know that Cabin Fever is a great standalone movie. Fantastic. Well, we're going to do more Cabin Fever. Cabin Fever Outbreak. We're going to do Cabin Fever Patient Zero. We're going to do Cabin Fever in Target. We're going to do Cabin Fever... At the bodega, we're going to do Cabin Fever in Spanish Harlem. Oh, it's going to be great. Just people skin rotting off and lots of screaming and bloody violence. Oh, come on. Great. Great times in in your second bit of what the fuck movie news. More Cabin Fever movies. Yes, I kid you not. (sighs) Well, you know that The Rock is going to be playing Hercules, right? You guys also know that Kellen Lutz is going to be playing Hercules, right? Well, guess what Kellen Lutz had to do? He had to actually acknowledge the other Hercules movie with The Rock in it. And what is going to be different in an interview that was shared on Crave Online? He said, and I quote, I love The Rock. I grew up watching wrestling. He's such a great actor. Way to call The Rock an old bastard. Because <laughs> that's pretty much what he did. I wish them the best. They have a great cast, but the story's completely different. He's much older, and our Hercules is the man's journey from being a boy to a man. It's very real and very human. Our character goes through being love-struck, then heartbroken, and then the anguish, loneliness, uh, loneliness, sadness, and remorse. It's really a story about a man, a man in the journey to get back to his love. 
So it's not a man with superpowers, a man not understanding the strengths that he does have, and he's in denial because he doesn't believe in gods at first and doesn't believe that he's the son of Zeus. Hey, I've heard of this movie before. Isn't it called Clash of the Titans? Yeah. With that statement alone, Kellen Lutz just validated why Hercules with the rock will be substantially better than Hercules with Kellen Lutz. There you have it. Garbage in, garbage out. All right, so that actually is going to wrap up MTR for this week. Wow, with five minutes to spare. So with that said, you've just heard My Take Radio episode 183 for Thursday, May 9th. 2013. If you have any questions, concerns, or would like to be a guest on a future episode of MTR, you can email me at mtrhost at mytakeradio.com. You can also hit up our feedback line, 347 That's 347 mtr If you don't want your message played on air, please make sure to specify that. With regards to social media, we are everywhere. You can follow us on Twitter at mytakeradio. Become a fan on our Facebook fan page, facebook.com forward slash mytakeradio. Add us to your circle on Google+. And if you want the best MTR experience, make sure to pick up our official app for Android and iOS devices. It's $1.99. You get access to exclusive app content plus 96K stereo episodes of the show, mobile wallpapers, and a whole bunch of other cool shit as well. Besides that, you can always listen to My Take Radio on Stitcher, Blog Talk Radio, uh, tune in radio and of course good old iTunes if you're getting the shows pl- from iTunes we'd really ap- appreciate a review take a moment rate us write something nice or don't whatever I'm not going to come to your house and punch you in the face maybe maybe not um, no I'm kidding I'm kidding seriously if you're getting the shows from iTunes please give us a review it helps us move up the rankings I'd love to crack the top 100 either for gaming or MMA or entertainment or comedy if you find our shit funny whatever Do that. We'd appreciate it. All right. So with that said, we are out of here. Thank you guys for tuning in this week. On behalf of myself, Slick, Ben, Andrea, Quark and Blade, Jay Santi, and the rest of the MTR family, I bid you good evening. Peace. That's all, folks. It's (laughs) Biatch.